Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I introduce one another to films. Uh, And in this way, we help each other to catch up on our cinema. Um, This week is, what, the third in our Alien Masterclass? Correct, Um, it's Alien to the Third Power. (laughs) Yes, uh, if you're you're going by the exact title font, um, it is indeed Alien to the Third Power. Um, Basically, what a Masterclass episode is, is basically it's where we take a deep dive into a long-standing franchise of some sort. Uh, And this is shaping up to be like an annual tradition or something. It's not something we do all the time, but the very first episode we did, Kyle and I, was uh, the Predator Masterclass. And we went through the entire film franchise front to back, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing with Alien. Uh, we've already got two movies down, Alien and Aliens, which brings us to Alien 3 from, what, 1992? Correct. Direct, directed? Quote, unquote, <laughs> directed by? By David Fincher, uh, uh, yeah, you... acclaimed, super critically acclaimed director who unfortunately uh, seems to want to disown this film. Very much wanted to disown this film. Uh, David Fincher, uh, I just want to say at the top here, uh, directed Seven, The Game, uh, ever heard of this little movie called The Fight Club? Uh, <laughs> Panic Room. I didn't know he did Panic Room. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Zodiac. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's actually doing Mindhunter. Have you heard anything about Mindhunter on Netflix? Uh, only what you've told me. I've heard a stellar program. Pretty excellent. I wanted to just say that it's at the top that I, I appreciate what David Fincher did. Uh, this actor, you like, we're going to talk about him a little later, the one that gets uh, the beat down by... Uh, What's his face? Um, Charles S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton. Uh, he's also in Fight Club. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think he's in Zodiac, but he's actually one of the leads in uh, Mindhunter now. Are you talking about Holt? Holt. Holt McCallany? Yeah. yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, he's great in Mindhunter. That makes me really happy because yeah. um, actually in, in re-watching this film very recently, um, it was only upon this most recent viewing that I realized that that's who that was. Yeah. The guy with the teardrop tattoo. That's Correct. a very young, skinny Holt McClannelly. He's a peach in this. I've always really liked him. Yeah. And he started popping up and stuff. There was a, a, a show on FX called Lights Out. It oh, la- yes, I know what you It lasted about. a single season. Yeah, FX does that. Um, I'm a huge boxing fan, lifelong boxing fan. And for me, it was like, yes, I want this. <laughs> it's like... It's a it's a boxing family drama about a Irish American boxer. Oh, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, it only lasted one season, but I I was really excited to see him get the spotlight for thirteen episodes, and I'm always happy to see him, even in that shitty Jack Reacher sequel. He he shows up for two seconds, he gets put in like an arm lock of some sort, and he plays a Weasley bastard, but. I'm, you know, I'm just happy he's working because yeah. I'm always happy to see him. <laughs> he's, he's winning now. He's in Mindhunter. He's got a good, solid role. He's he's fantastic. I mean, in the show. past five years, I got to see the guy get uh, beat up by Tom Cruise and Liam Neeson. <laughs> Which is odd because if you look at this dude, like, he's a hulking... Mo- like, we were watching Mindhunter and Steph is just like, jeez, he's huge. Like, he's just, he was just hulking over his, uh, his wife in the show and this other guy standing in frame. Like, he's just enormous. I'm like, how's Liam Neeson beating his ass? Well, Liam Neeson's like 6'4". He's got inches on him. He and, might and have like he, two inches He on makes him. use of some uh, some bathroom equipment, like a towel oh, dispenser or something. So gotcha. he has a bit of a, you know, he has the equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> and it needs to be said, Tom Cruise, uh, I don't know if he, he flexed his producer credit, 
but in his scenes with Holt, Holt is usually seated. Hmm, especially when, especially when he's yanking his arm, like when he's twisting his arm, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, he's seated. <laughs> and he's funny. probably eye to eye with him. Yeah, most likely. He's like 4'8". Um, anyway, so yeah, Alien 3. Yes. Um, Alien 3. Uh, and you know, We should talk about, as I said, we should mention Fincher at the top here. But go ahead. Whatever you were going to say. Yeah. Uh, Fincher really wants to take his name off this product it's my understanding that fox won't allow it because it does it's not a good look it's, it's not because David fin- like i think i mentioned uh, one of the first the first episode we were doing this i'm like this is three or four iconic directors behind it. this just these first four movies david fincher's a name and that might be one of the reasons why we're not taking your name off this it's yeah. the only reason why people give us a chance anymore that's actually an incredible accomplishment when you think about it that, right that every every film in this franchise has a big name director attached to it. Uh, Resurrection is probably the most obscure for Americans, but you know that comes with the caveat that he's big in France, and this was his only foray foray into Hollywood. Ooh, I, and I actually do like that director. I can't no, Jean Pierre Jeunet, yeah, or however you pronounce it, that. Yeah, exactly. I just I'm like, I don't know his name. I just know his movies. But yeah, this was this was David Fincher's directorial debut. So this is a big fucking deal. Pretty fucking nuts. And not only that. Uh, the the production history of this film is mm. perhaps more interesting than the product itself. This was a historically troubled production, uh, even before they started rolling film. And to have a rookie director essentially step into the step into the chair, that's that's a big gamble. <laughs> and you know, it's I don't think of any of the Alien films as being outright failures. Mm-mm. In fact, most of them are are very watchable. Uh, this one probably the least it's yeah, <laughs> i think it's probably the least watchable yes yeah. but what about david fincher did you want to talk about specifically oh that's what i wanted to mention was that he he's disowned this movie he walked out of production so i'm not even sure he was there when it's finished which will come up later when we talk about the actual structure of the movie how there is a certain point where this movie is just almost unwatchable like you get about 15 minutes into the first third act of the movie and you're like i could not care yeah, there's a very distinct cutoff point where my my eyes start to get heavy and there's <laughs> there's 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 camera angles the opening shots especially you can see like this guy i could see two movies that he watched in preparation for this and we'll get to it in just a minute um but yeah he he stated that there was just constant studio interference mm-hmm. and i don't know you mentioned that sigourney weaver i noticed that her name was a she was a producer on this i i read that she wanted her own writers for her character like she wanted writers from i think the first two movies to be for her character that's my understanding there there are a couple of producers attached to basically the entire alien franchise uh, walter hill being one of them mm-hmm. and i didn't bother to look into it but if a, if if it's the same Walter Hill that I'm thinking of, you know, prolific action film director Walter Hill, like the Warriors Walter yeah. Hill, um, that's interesting. Uh, he, he's not the name that comes to mind when I think of Alien, but uh, almost every one of these films, his name is is in big print hovering above it. But um, yeah, I, I do believe she did request to have her own writers and she wasn't like a set tyrant or anything like i haven't read any reports of her being difficult to work with however i do know that she was a producer and she did have demands um as an actress she there were certain things that she was more interested in doing than others so um one of the the major elements of of why this is a troubled production is that i don't know that they had a script set in stone like by the time they actually started 
production. They didn't. I believe that it was still working through production. Yeah. Um, it was it was constantly in flux, and to my knowledge, there there are about four or five workable scripts for this movie that exist um, that existed prior to production. Um, as far as I know, they just kind of grabbed chunks here and there from each of them and just hoped for the best. I've heard that Werner Herzog is very much not a script. He, he's not a script doctor kind of guy. Like he writes it, and this is what's happening. This is what's being shot. I've heard that he's very. He doesn't change things during production. That, that That's what I've heard. I could be wrong. I've read that note. I think it was... There was an actor who was working with it. It might have been... I can't think of who it is on the top of my head. Klaus? It might have been Klaus. <laughs> Klaus doesn't seem like the kind of guy... Klaus Kinski, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, he missed... You, you see his face, you'll never forget it. <laughs> he missed being a Nazi by just a sneeze. <laughs> Seriously. If you, learn, if you hear anything about Klaus Kinski... And his relationship with Werner Herzog, you're like, yeah, um, one of those guys is a monster. And it's the one that's not alive anymore. Um, yeah, I think that I, I'd read that Werner Herzog's pretty, like, once it's done, it's done. We're not changing anything. Or maybe that was Joel Schumacher. One of those tall guys. I can't think of which one. Klaus, you don't understand. It is on the page. We are filming it as it is written. <laughs> I'm going to go shoot at the key grip in his friends because they're making too much noise. <laughs> he did that. He shot. He was like the. the uh, I think it was on. Um, what's uh, Fitz, Fitzcarraldo? Mm. Uh, I think the, the cast and crew were making so much noise one night that he ended up shooting a rifle at them where they were making noise. <laughs> it was a problem. I lost a bit, and now I have I have to eat a shoe. On camera. That, that seems like Werner <laughs> Herzog might have actually made a deal with the devil. And like he's like, yeah, you're going to be a director, all right. But you get this fucking five foot five crazy German guy to be in you all got, of your movies. You got this little gremlin to tussle with. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pour water on him. <laughs> oh, fuck. I mean, oh, that would be one ugly gremlin. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we're not going to go front and back through this. We just can't. Like, there's just not a lot going on. But um, there is a lot to say. There's a lot to say. And I want to challenge you to find, like, while, you're, while we're talking about this, tell me when you feel David Fincher's on screen. Like, you feel like he he's on screen and post-production where somebody else was like putting editing this together because there are certain camera angles there's certain shots that feel like they're probably david fincher yeah um as you had mentioned earlier um mostly in the first half yes um i mean i i seriously doubt that that's actually true movies are are traditionally not you know, shot or edited linearly. It's kind of like you, you piece together scenes and then you do an assembly and then blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe he was in the editing room for a portion of it and then they kicked him out and then things got bad. Uh, I don't know. But there are definitely certain chunks of it that feel more ambitious and, and more focused, I guess, than other parts of it. And most of those unfocused parts come in the second half. Let's throw the cast at him real quick. I think that's that's, that's kind of interesting because there's a few characters that are sitting kind of on the back burner that I'm like, Pete Postlethwaite's not doing anything? This He's day? not doing anything. anything. He's just kind of there. Yeah. Pete, Pete Postlethwaite has like a couple of lines. He, try, he, he attempts to be funny at one point. And other than that, he's in the background and he gets chased at the end just like everyone else. He has a, like, literally you can cough longer than he's on, on the screen, I think. That's how much screen time he has. Well, I mean, the the same criticism was, was leveled at, like, Black Hawk Down. Funny mm. enough, Ridley Scott product. But mm. um, at the time, um, 
a lot of people were having trouble distinguishing between all the people because everybody kind of looked no the same. No kidding. I had trouble distinguishing between You everybody. watch that movie now, it is an all-star fucking cast. It is. It yeah. is all of the UK. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's Ewan McGregor. There is that Scottish guy from AVP. Every <laughs> single person you've seen in a movie is in Tom Black Hardy Hawk. is in that. Tom Hardy's in that? Yes. Oh. Yes, Tom Hardy's in Black Hawk Down. You're blowing my mind right now. He's one of the machine gunners. He's one of the LMG guys. So I, I remember always... He's Twobly or whatever, <laughs> however the fuck you say his name. I always remember Josh Hornets in there, and then uh, Orlando Bloom. and those Orlando guys. Bloom's great because he falls out the helicopter. He dies. <laughs> I think he dies. That's how he dies in the movie. I don't know if he dies. And then Eric Bana as the coolest human God being damn. that ever lived. I do like, yeah, he's just like sitting there eating. God damn, he's about to go out again. He's such a badass. Cool man. ass William Fickner. Um, <laughs> so we got Chuck Dance, Charles Dance, who I, I feel like they were trying to do a, like we mentioned in, uh, in Aliens, where it's not necessarily a red herring, but you're definitely keeping your eye on him, uh, Lance Henriksen. Charles Dance here, I, I remember watching this as a kid. And I'm like, he seems evil. But that's just how Charles Dance looks. And I was wondering if that was um, they did that explicitly for him to kind of be a red herring here. Because he's, you know, that opening shot, that, he's doing the syringe. That's all the business with the script, I think. Yeah. Uh, because they're... A huge problem with this movie that we were talking about off the air is that uh, by the time you get to the second half, you're robbed of two of the more interesting characters. In, three of the more interesting characters, yeah. if you include Bishop. Yeah. Um, Basically, your, your cast is stripped down to nothing by the time you get nobody. to the second half. There's a lot of dead meat, yeah. but nobody you actually know or care about. And uh, Charles Dance, there's a lot of lip service paid to him having a, a past. He Every, every, literally every exchange of dialogue he has with Ripley in the first half of the film is alluding to both of them keeping secrets from each other. And there is zero payoff to it. There's a charming dialogue scene, and then he's out of the movie. And... When you structure your story in such a way that that you're you're hinting at something and then there's no payoff, you're you're getting the the audience all tensed up about nothing. Yeah. And then even his death is not quite as spectacular as you would have hoped. Right. I mean, it's good. I, actually, that that is one thing that needs to be said. We will get to it. Uh, this is probably the most violent of the Alien movies. It is. We should go. Let's go ahead and talk about it now because that's one of the things I love to well, like. Go for keep, it. Go let's for keep going on about the cast. Oh yeah, the cast. Yeah. Uh, so we we got Holt in there, who is not a household name. No, he's, he's just. He doesn't say anything in this movie. Yeah, he he does some naughty stuff. Uh, he lives towards the. He lives pretty late into the film actually we'll get to that's another thing sorry actually his character had some elements that were in the script that apparently got snipped mm. uh, he was actually supposed to have redemption um, he does a little bit he's a what what charles s dutton does at the end of the film he was supposed to be involved in that oh, okay um but no he just kind of has an anonymous death but yeah he's he's just a ball Everyone in this film is bald, but everyone has yeah. a shaved head, and that's that's what I was talking about with the Black Hawk Down problem, where it's a bunch of an alarming number of British people. Yeah, uh, it's actually kind of distracting as an American. It's like this is like a futuristic Australia. They're just like send those Brits down there. Well, I mean, that may have been the concept on paper, but it is it's a little distracting, where it's it's a bunch of white British men with yeah. with very with very UK accents, and then Charles S. Dutton. It's like one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's weird because I mean, if the ratio was balanced a bit more, like if you had some people from different 
with different accents, you know, different ethnicities, then it would feel more like an, an actual prison, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, like what, maybe Wayland yutani is, is primarily made of Brits. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. Ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It but, doesn't it, matter. but it is distracting and it does lead to confusion because everyone looks relatively the same. Yeah, looks the same. And if you're not familiar with the multitude of British accents, uh, it's all kind of, it's all going to kind of blend together. In fact, I remember when I was a kid, the first time I watched this movie, uh, the gentleman who has the nervous breakdown and is talking about rambling about the dragon. Yeah. Um, I thought he was the guy who made it to the end of the movie. It's the other guy. It's they're two different people. Yeah. But they look kind of similar and they both have that crazy man shtick. It was actually kind of similar to uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, the great debate about which Nazis which is Steamboat Willie the guy who stabbed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not. It's not. But everybody gets him confused. No, I know. He's the one who shot Tom Hanks. He's the one that shot Tom Hanks. Yes. But no, it the the man who stabbed our 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 friendly friendly Jewish man. That's the worst. That's my. I think it's. That's actually an episode that I've been mulling over. Um, cinematic deaths. Yeah. Like good, bad, or uncomfortable. <laughs> that, that might be the most uncomfortable cinematic it death. It might be. Especially when you know what else is happening in that scene, i.e. the translation of what the soldier's saying. Uh, whew. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, he's got layers. No, we, we need to do that. And in fact, while while you're in town, maybe I can get my brother in on that. That could be good. Yeah. More the merrier on that. Oh, yeah. Because he'll think of some ones we didn't even think of. But yeah, who else we got? Um, Charles S. Dutton. Uh, I be- I'm not sure how long after being in prison he started acting. Uh, but if you don't know anything about Charles S. Dutton, uh, he was convicted of a, uh, murdering somebody when he was very young. I think he was like 17. Okay. Uh, I think he did... Maybe ten, maybe ten to fifteen years. I'm not entirely sure how long he was in prison for, um, but he very much. I think it's interesting casting for this because he's a person who spent much of his, you know, developing like or his uh, young adulthood in prison, and this is more or less a prison colony. I guess would be the way. These guys are doing. It's basically monks. These guys have taken a vow, and uh, he he brings an intensity. Of a, of a huge intensity to the character. Um, good casting. I think too much dialogue for him. Everything about Charles S. Dutton is huge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really love him as an actor. Mm. I remember my my mom like pointing him out when I was young, where it's like he is a good actor. I was like, yes, I think so, because because yes. I can't take my eyes off the screen whenever he shows up. Hell, he was even on like. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? I think. Oh, he. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it was either that or goosebumps, but I'm pretty sure it was. Are you afraid of the dark? And I was like, okay, <laughs> big scary man. Um, but yeah, I've always loved him, and his character is kind of one note, unfortunately. Yeah, his performance is very strong, but uh, he's he's almost too righteous. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you needed like that one little bit where the the layers get peeled back a little bit. And like that, you see like a little chink in his armor to see that he's a person as opposed to just like preacher guy. He, I think he's uh, his character is supposed to have a facade like he's supposed to. He's he's the spiritual leader of the group, and I think he's supposed to to carry himself like that. Yeah, I mean everything he does is great. Yeah, um, it's just it it's all very very heavy handed and melodramatic. Uh, the score for this movie uh, backs him up. Uh, at certain times where it's like okay this is a bit much i see what you're doing um but it's a lot what did you think of the score now that you mention it it's excellent i was gonna say that i even noticed it i Uh, elliot goldenthal uh great stuff uh funny enough um one of the music cues in this movie um 
It's the scene that's used twice, actually. Um, it's the scene when they're assaulting Ripley mm-hmm. in the garbage heap, and at the very end when Charles S. Dutton throws the fuck down with that alien. Yeah. Uh, the same music plays over both of those scenes. Um, that is actually in, I think, Batman Forever? Ugh. <laughs> I personally, when we talk about that scene a little bit, it could have been so much better. Like there was, it it was just so weird. It changes the tone because it's like this is gonna be a fucking awesome badass sexual assault because of the music. I'm like, it's it's completely different. See, what's interesting there is that uh, you can see David Fincher from time to time in this movie, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, all those movies you list in his filmography, he has a thing that he likes, and that would be like crime scene investigation and serial killers. Yeah, um, I feel like that may have been him. Uh, because, I, because even the the scene where we're investigating the the fan death, yeah, that feels very David Fincher. That it's a crime scene investigation sequence where it's like there was, there was a horrific moment of violence, and now we're seeing the aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. Which if you if you edit and you shoot it right, actually is is more effective yes, than more actually effective. seeing the violence. Which David Fincher, you know, that's a kind of a thing he does. His movies tend to be very violent. You see, no, almost no gore whatsoever in Seven. And mm-hmm. it's one of the heaviest movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal. It's incredible what you can do. Well, I, I hated the music choice for that scene in particular. Okay. I was livid. Well, what's funny to me is that uh, <laughs> Trent Reznor is uh, one of David Fincher's common you know collaborators. And, uh, the opening credits of Seven. Yeah. Uh, and, but, I mean, he, he scores his films. He doesn't just do songs. He does the actual music. Well, it's actually, you know what, let me... I was thinking about this while I was watching. This came out in 1992, and I'm like, this music is just just so odd. At the time, um, this was a this was kind of a new sound. Like this was we're on the ass end of you know, I, I think there's still butt rock coming out. Like butt rock is still like we haven't hit the dark 90s. No, we yet. still got like Motley Crue and yeah, stuff. Motley Crue is still touring. Oh yeah, you know, nearly dead, but, I mean, <laughs> but they're still touring. And maybe at the time the music. Skid Row. <laughs> Maybe at the time the music was a good choice because it was like, whoa, wow, we never heard anything like this before. This is really heavy. Going back now and listening to it, it's it's like almost uppity, and it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it's it's it does, like that industrial goth music that's like this is dance music. Yeah, it's just really sad and angry. It's just, <laughs> it, you could, that could have been a much more powerful scene if we had almost no music or some kind of ominous like orchestral thing going on in the background. Actually, uh, the first thing you threw out there, uh, no sound. No just sound. Ima- just imagine the rain. <sighs> just somebody's... Just, just rain and heavy breathing. Like, I, that his, would be terrifying. His scream would have... like I, I feel like Holt, he does, he does that scream really well. And I think when you add it with the music, it seems more... F- I'm, I'm going to say it, it seems more fun. It, it comes across as kind of cartoonish. Yeah. Like comic booky. Like I mean, Charles S. Dutton shows up like Batman. Like he, he he swoops in like Batman. He turns Holt's head into uh, like gushers. I don't know. But later, Holt just has a like he a bandage. Has, he just has like a comical like bandage, like gauze wrapped around his head. No, you're dead. No, I mean one of my favorite lines in the movie there is during that scene where where Charles S. Dutton shows up with a pipe oh, and pipe. starts just beaten ass <laughs> and he's laying into these guys and and ripley's about he's like he just he doesn't even point at ripley he does this thing that's a good acting choice where he just does like all fit all of his fingers mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a swat team like go yeah. code yeah just like take off 
And she's just like, what? And he's like, I gotta re-educate some of the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's holding this pipe that has, like, brain matter on yeah. the end of it. Yeah. It's not blood. It's it's chunks. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about the violence? Because, oh, actually, the, op- the opening credits. Excellent. 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 Yeah, actually, so um, good. Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the, yeah, that's exactly what I yeah. thought of, too. Yeah, Ghost I mean, you brought it up on the Ghost in the Shell episode, and it was fun to, to revisit it, because like, I was picturing it while we were talking on the Ghost in the Shell episode, and I was like, yep, Kyle is fucking right. This is, this. the editing is It's exactly is Ghost it's in the that. Shell. Um, yeah, it sets the, t- it tries to set the tone that I think David Fincher was going for. I think this was going to be... I think a- he may have supervised that, because um, his opening sequences tend to be glorious. Um the girl with the dragon tattoo I, you probably I haven't, haven't seen it. i haven't seen that the opening three minutes of that are incredible um you don't even need to see the movie like it's not it's not an amazing movie but it's david fincher so it's pretty good but the opening credits holy fucking shit <laughs> like like that is that brought me back to like mtv in the 90s there is something else i wanted to say about the like opening. tarsum sing shit <laughs> like the cell oh <laughs> uh, i know you haven't seen it but one of the, the opening shot of char of uh of charles dance walking is very reminiscent of um red desert um, there's a lot of shots there that's what made me think when, when you said like this is david fincher's uh directorial debut i'm like oh then he's definitely seen red desert and there's uh it's a it's a um a very industrial uh, shot and like kind of s- perspective showing him how small he is and how big everything is and it's very red desert and I'm like oh interesting I'm like I kind of caught that so before we get too deep into it yeah. oh by the way who directed Red Desert do you have oh to uh, he's an Italian fellow okay. uh, I got his name up here real quick it is um, Michelangelo Antonioni Antonioni when did that come out uh, 1964 okay. well I, I ought to see that because you brought it up a few times now it's a it's a Criterion uh, gotcha. release so he had to have seen it. there's no way he didn't I mean, he's a film director. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> he is you, a you, learned you, film director. Um, <laughs> industrial, you don't say. Yeah, <laughs> it's you like don't say. Industrial and David Fincher go together like peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> but the opening credits, like, it sets the tone and it gives you, it lets you know what's happened. Even though they spell it out for you, they actually, like, verbally say it later. But it, it's nice. I it's, like how it it's really, really solid visual storytelling. Yeah. Where basically we get to see... Uh, the Sulaco encounters some electrical problem while everyone is still in cryo sleep. Uh, so that would be Ripley, Hicks, Bishop, and Newt. Uh, Hicks, dude. That's that... a very large spacecraft with few people on it. But yeah, Hicks gets fucked. In Fuck. this that's why I wanted, I wanted to just <laughs> oh, mention shit. briefly that opening scene, but I want to talk about the violence. Um, the use of uh, the noise, the crunching in this movie, uh, especially at the top, uh, we get really good... Um, Hicks. So apparently, <laughs> what what happened with Michael Bean? If you don't remember, Michael Bean was Hicks, and he survived. So you'd be super excited to go into the third one. Like, awesome, he made it. And one version of the script had him as the main character. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it, uh, was he going to be the main or like with her? The main. Oh, <laughs> she was going to be incapacitated because Sigourney Weaver wasn't terribly interested in being involved. I would have been okay with that. Well, they wanted to use Michael Bean's likeness for a dummy. They're like, we want to have him burn. He's like, uh, no, I would like to do the movie. They're like, no, 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 we're not going to go with that script. So he was like, no, you're not using my likeness. If you use it, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to sue you, not kill you. <laughs> I mean, it is Michael Bean. I kind of believe it. <laughs> He'll put on a mustache and slit your throat. Um, 
Uh, but they Johnny Ringo, <laughs> you longer. Uh, is that a slur? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I think like we probably just offended a sorry. few people out there. <laughs> I I took it to mean somebody with tuberculosis. I thought that that's kind of what I I took it as. Let's see if we were really on top of our tombstone shit, we'd be spitting Latin back and forth yeah, or something. We're, but yeah. no, we're we're not that cool, unfortunately. Um, but they uh, have to kill him off. Uh, and not use his likeness. So what do they do, Trevor? <laughs> uh, Corporal Hicks gets a console impaled through his torso in his sleep. His his entire midsection gets wrecked from the back upward, I believe. I saw teeth. Like it. He looked like uh, he is he is hamburger man. <laughs> it looked like something from Predator Two. It looked like somebody was just just mangled. It's pretty bad. Oh yeah, no, we we get a couple of lingering shots on it, and it's like, oh, that guy's dead. Yeah, well, um, you saw Bishop look bad. Bishop's Bishop is half a man at this point, but Hicks looks worse. <laughs> um. So yeah, the the gore is pretty good in here. Um. Uh, we we kind of I think it's. 70, 30, 60, 40 um, CGI to actual puppets, actual practical. I will correct you on that. I don't believe there is CGI in this movie. I'm sorry? Mm-mm. What is that? Puppets. Puppeteers. What? A, oh, so you're Bad, saying... Badly green-screened puppets, but puppets... Are you sure? Because I watched the special edition, and it felt like Mortal Kombat, like... Uh, ah, uh, that's actually what I was... I was alluding to when I said before we get too deep into it. Gotcha. Um, the last time you watched this movie, Kyle, did you watch the 2003 special edition or the theatrical version? 2003 special edition. There you go. Um, the 2003 special edition was produced without David Fincher's involvement, mm. and it takes certain elements that were originally in the script and reinserts them into the film. As well as like a half an hour of additional scenes. Yeah, that you don't need. That you don't need, you do which is why need. the most recent time I've I've seen the special edition, but uh, the most recent viewing I had was the theatrical one um, mm. because I still remembered the special edition, but I wanted to get back to what what was put in the theaters, what what everybody saw when it first came out. But the special edition uh, does have CGI. Okay. Um, it does like for the birthing scene in particular when the alien first appears. Um, that's actually the probably the biggest change between the two versions is that uh, in the theatrical edition, uh, the alien is birthed from a dog. Gotcha. And in the special edition, it's from like a yak or a water buffalo. It's a it's a bull of some kind. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's a bull or a yak. Or I'm something. gonna say water. I like water buffalo. That sounds better. That sounds cool. I like it. <laughs> um, and she even mentions like this one doesn't move the same way. She's like, I noticed it. Which... That that was actually an interesting point that. I think with a different script and mostly just a different setting with different characters, a different movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really like the premise because um, this is the first time we've had an alien born from anything other than human. Yes. And it stands to reason that if this thing is born from an organism, like maybe we can fudge the genetics a bit and have it borrow from the host yeah. in some capacity. Cause like, I remember the toys when I was a kid, like aliens toys, uh, were made by they were made by Kenner and uh, I remember being really into them I only I only got like one or two of them when I was young but they were they were advertised yeah. I thought they were amazing because the that was when the comic books were coming out and that's mm. what the designs were based on gotcha of. and they had like all the core cast from aliens like Ripley and 
even people who died like i remember my brother teasing me because i was like i want the drake action figure because he's got the smart gun my brother was like he dies <laughs> i was like what are you talking about he's like haven't you seen the movie he, he dies <laughs> but um the alien toys uh they started doing a thing where uh they had different like animal type aliens so they had like a cobra alien and they had a bull alien and they had like a mantis alien and this movie represented the first time that that concept was flirted with in the in the gotcha. linear film franchise and what we got here if you're going by the theatrical edition is a dog alien gotcha um from a design standpoint uh we get more glamour shots of this thing than we ever than we really ever have up to this point at least the like the drones like mm-hmm. the queen gets all the glamour shots yeah but in this one unlike the first one we get some sustained shots of this thing so we get a clear view of what it looks like but it never really feels like a dog to me no um it it its behavior is different because the technology's improved to the point that we can actually show it skitter and like run unlike the first alien where it could barely move yeah um but yeah other than being absurdly aggressive <laughs> and not having the tubing like, yeah it's more streamlined for sure um it doesn't look all that different it has like almost like a not like an amber but like a bronzish color to it Probably. in certain in certain lighting but uh yeah uh, I act personally. I prefer it being born from a dog as opposed mm-hmm. to like a water buffalo or whatever. But that's just me. Um, yeah. What did you think about the set? Like the actual the. Some of them are spectacular. It's I I you know how much I love the inside of a spaceship, but I think this is the best set design of of any of the movies. I don't know about best. Um, I think for me. I mean, obviously, I jerked off to Aliens for like two and a half hours last time we were on the air. Correct. Um, <laughs> you watched. I watched. <laughs> you, uh, you stood by and dude, watched. He locked the door and just went off. <laughs> but I feel like Aliens takes the cake. Uh, but that's just me. I respect that. The first, it's all, almost every argument comes down to Alien or Aliens. So it's it's either one of those. This one, though. There's a couple of sets that are absolutely spectacular. Like the like the lead works is wonderful to look at. The fire tunnel is all right, but it, you can tell that they're reusing it from time to time mm. and it it those sequences in particular really threw me off because yeah. um, that and the lead works have this this serious editing problem where it's it's confusing in the wrong way. Mm. Where it's meant to be like chaotic and and claustrophobic, oh, yeah. but it's like I have no spatial awareness. Yeah, when they're running around the tunnels, I'm like, I, I have, have no, no idea. I have no clue where anyone is in relation to each other. They're just running probably down the same hallway over and over and over again. It literally is. It's. I mean, it's like the abyss. It's just like they're running all around along this thing. I'm like, I have no idea where anyone no, is. The, the, the worst example that comes to mind is uh, that first Kingsman movie. Oh, that like the whole last half hour of that movie is Taron Egerton yeah. running up and down the same hallway. One of like the, literally back down the same hallway <laughs> in the script. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever had to sit through. Uh, Besides, I don't know what's worse. Uh, uh, what's the latest James Bond that we did an episode on? Spectre. Spectre or the Kingsman, which is worse? Spectre. <laughs> I think you're right. Aside, aside from watching Dave Bautista punch Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah. I shivered the other day <laughs> when I was just thinking about Spectre, dude. I was just the fucking, just like, how much do you drink? 
too much. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Really? <laughs> How did we get to the mountain? What are we doing? Like, is this a, a psychiatric facility? Oh, just, I'm picturing oh, you at stupid. work, like, just pausing Ooh. and dropping a plate or something. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so stupid. Felt a tremor in the forest. <laughs> You're his adopted brother? You're his adopted brother. Oh, my God. You want to kill him because your dad liked him more. How did he get a trillion dollars <laughs> to form this organization? It'll scramble your brain. And my nose started bleeding. <laughs> like, I think I see your one eye wandering. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, so I do lo- I love the set. I like what, um, I like what they're doing. Uh, it's the curtains. And it would have, I love, I love that. I like what they're trying to, they're, it's like an old haunted hospital look yeah, feel to it's it. it's very gothic. Yeah. I'm like, it works. And especially with this kind of monster that is pretty elusive and some, somehow is pretty elusive. It's fucking seven feet tall. It's probably bigger than that. Seriously. And so hissing and roaring. Uh, another movie that came to mind when I was watching this, um, the film it, the film I'm talking about is The Element of Crime, Lars von Trier. From, I've mentioned it to you before okay. in 1984. Art film, I, I would suggest you watching it just for the uh, the editing. It's just phenomenal for the editing. But it's it's filmed in sepia. Um, and there are moments where I feel like that... I, the inside of uh, this set, I feel, is it's white. It's, it's white. And I feel like there are times where it feels sepia. Like the, the lighting just changes a little bit from... T- um, from here oh yeah the the lighting is is for the most part like glorious yeah in this film uh, maybe that's what i love about it maybe that it's not so much the set it's the lighting i mean you know I the, love the film is very handsome from an audiovisual standpoint it is very handsome yeah. it is not a lazy effort in any way it's just missing that that you know i don't want to say je ne sais quoi but it it is missing that special something. One one other thing about the uh, the actual filming that I wanted to mention before we kind of switch gears is the uh, did you notice all the the angles the camera angles that are used especially in this first half is that is that a f- I've never seen I've never noticed it in another Fincher movie because uh, we were shooting um, I'm not sure what the shot is but we're down on a knee basically mm-hmm. shooting from underneath two very tall actors especially Charles Dance and Sigourney Weaver yeah um, I'm, I'm not sure why. So, David Fincher's movies tend to be very meticulously designed mm-hmm. um, from a shooting standpoint. Uh, he, he takes his time with his setups. Uh, there's a reason why his movies endure the way they do, because uh, they, they stick with you. They have a, a level of care and love put into them that's pretty rare. Um, even like, like, I wouldn't say Gone Girl is one of his lesser films at all, but that's a beautiful fucking movie to look at and, and listen to. And... Uh, just reading a couple of the production notes here and there, um, there were a lot of firsts in this movie. There were a oh, lot. Really? There were a lot of special effects and and cinematography firsts that that were attempted on this film. Interesting. Like very subtle things that only the people doing it would care about. But you and I consuming it, yeah, it jumps out as like neat. But like we don't actually know the details of what it went into it. But apparently, like as wonky as the alien special effects turned out. They were doing some like rod puppetry shit, like live in front of the camera that was intensely complicated and involved like this thing moving on a rail in time with the camera, with like six puppeteers moving this fucking thing. Yeah. It's very complicated. And some of the camera movements were on like 
mechanized like robotic armatures and stuff that were timed and like specifically lit to rotate in time with actors and stuff stuff that probably took hours and days and weeks to set up <laughs> i actually think this is the best the Xen- the i think the xenomorphs look really really good here i think they're a little more detailed um than they than the first two in my opinion i don't know what you think about that i i, I tend to agree yeah i tend to agree um the, the puppets specifically, not the CGI pieces that I saw. Well, one of the coolest things about being in the age range that you and I are is, uh, is that we got to see, like, puppets and shit at, like, the height of their power. Yeah. Because the, the fact of the matter is, like, until, like, around Jurassic Park's time, like, puppetry and animatronics kept, right, roll, kept rolling along. Yeah. And it, it was only getting better. It was only the fact that cgi took over is like the new the new hotness like the new thing that you got to push into your movie matrix kind of but the point is like puppetry and animatronics and stuff like it was it's still evolving yeah like, like there's still work to be done it's just the the number of people who go into that line of work has has slimmed to nothing Ugh. at this point um but the point i'm trying to make here is that 1986 was aliens 1992 is alien 3 there were developments yeah like like the craft had improved and not only that uh tom woodruff jr was the was the fellow that was largely in charge of the the alien design uh, mm. for alien 3 and, and he's still working to this day as far as i know oh wait i think his son actually took over what's uh what were his big ones mostly the alien franchise uh, his company's called uh, amalgamated dynamics um they had this movie that got crowdfunded that I, I went out of my way to watch. Uh, it's called Harbinger Down. It's mm. awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. But I, I wanted to watch it because it was, I think, directed by him. And it was it was made by his company, Amalgamated Dynamics. Uh, basically, they do makeup effects and animatronics. Uh, and they got funding to make like the thing on a, on a boat, basically, mm-hmm. in the Arctic. And... It's not good. Even even in terms of makeup effects, it's not good. But it was cool to see. Also, he did work on the uh, the AVP movies and uh, the Thing prequel. Mm-hmm. He was the one that his team worked on the the practical effects before they got nixed from the end product. Speaking of nixed from the end product, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about the autopsy? Uh, oh yeah, I mentioned that on one of the previous episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah that scene is infamous uh, for apparently causing people to vomit in the theater (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i don't know if it ever i can't remember if it made it to the theatrical edition of the film but at the very least it was in like early screener versions of the film and apparently there was footage of of newt being cut open by charles dance uh and it just rubbed people the wrong way made a lot of people uncomfortable made some people queasy uh and in fact I think one of the writers and, or the producers on the film actually said, like, Listen. I know one thing that's getting cut from that movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> People can't handle this? You know how much fun that second one was? <laughs> such a jump, dude. It needs to be said, uh, the the editing uh, during that sequence and uh, when Ripley is... Basically, anytime somebody's fumbling around with their hands... Uh, basically anybody's doing any sort of craft work in this movie mm-hmm. um when ripley's uh turning bishop back on and stuff like the the editing is so it's smooth really it's like good. it's perfect it, yeah. it's it feels like you're watching a, a person that's skilled with their hands like just kind of like 
do their thing and it, it's it's almost like one of those youtube videos where it's like this is meant to just kind of like occupy your attention yeah. it's like i don't know what it is but i can't stop watching it well it's really effective with the when he's doing the autopsy because he's grabbing certain tools it's just like open the chest and then he grabs that big saw thing and boom saw <laughs> back to the noises um he must have had like a good like some carrots. I don't know what was making all these crunching noises, but we hear like the alien eating a human, and you hear this cr- like someone grinding their teeth almost. Well, sound design. Any anyone involved in horror will tell you sound design is how you make a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the autopsy sequence, I think, is excellent. Yeah. Um, I don't need to see any more than we see. We do get like a little peek at her chest, her chest cavity. But yeah, the sound effects, yeah. like when he opens the rip cage because like ripley like in tears is like the chest yeah the chest and he's like mm-hmm. oh, no, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> and yeah the the crunching noises it's like ooh, ooh, ooh. i think that's <laughs> one of the highlights of this movie was the was the crunching that's well, yeah well nice i mean that i don't know if you want to talk about it now but like the gore in this movie is is a uh, tastefully executed yes but plentiful and well done and way and like you said way more than the first two actually I there's hardly any in the first two uh, yeah compared no to the first movie. two are fairly tame for the most part because anytime there's like somebody getting injured on screen in the first two it has to do I mean besides the the church the chest bursting where there's actually blood um, usually most of the injuries are like acid like they're doing the, someone's getting burned by the acid or somebody's getting uh, accidentally shot maybe <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, in this, we're like the busting out of, in the special edition, busting out of the cow. Like, there's actually like blood and shit coming out. And uh, I was going to mention uh, that scene's pretty cool because while we're talking about gore, is where, uh, like, the opening scene, we're getting that cut between the funeral that they're they're holding. And then, is, it, is he coming out of the dog? Because in the special edition, it's coming out of the bull and we're going back and forth yeah between it, the it's cut the same way okay just just different setting and different animal um but yeah the the intercutting between those two scenes i mean even the i feel like that was an element in the script that was probably not messed around with very much because the editing of that sequence to me seems fairly set in stone because charles s dutton's speech is just it's all about life and death death mm-hmm. and rebirth yeah meanwhile we're having a funeral while there's a birth happening it, yeah. it's it's pretty simple, but you, you get it. Well, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. But uh, while we're talking about that sequence in particular, um, music's really good there, by the way. Very uh, good. How do you feel about the uh, the difference between animals, um, the birthing sequence? Because I would not be surprised if the choice was made to have a water buffalo instead of a dog, because... That yeah. could be another scene that would trigger some people. Well, I mean, if anybody had seen Apocalypse Now up until this point, I'm fine seeing a cow die. It's not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but dogs, in, yeah. in this country in particular. Uh, yes. Like, I had a friend when when this movie was new that, I, I guess, that sequence in, in Alien 3, when the dog bursts open, it flipped him the fuck out. Well, I'm a dog dad, so uh, anytime I see dogs being hurt on screen... I don't remember what movie I was watching, but... Uh, I think it was when you or your brother had me. It might have been when lobster. That's what it was. The lobster. Uh, lost episode. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we didn't have something on the lobster, and I'm like, the lady comes in, is like, I killed your dog. I'm like, fuck. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, so yeah, I think that I forgot how it happens in the movie, but yeah, I would not have taken the dog dying very well. And even the thing, I have trouble watching the thing during that that sequence. See, I personally, I I prefer the dog. I mean, I'm not a 
I'm not as much a dog guy as many people out there, uh, but I feel like it was just executed with a little bit more care and it, it's more suspenseful to me because um, the dog, the way it happens with the dog is a uh, Ripley, Ripley, by the way, Ripley crash lands on a planet called Furina Fury 161. Oh, Fury 161, yes. Yeah, it's a, it's correctional su- facility for double Y chromosome. Yeah, uh, it's a Wayland Utani facility. It's basically closed down. Um, the way, the way uh, 85 phrases it, or no, Charles Dance phrases it is a uh, keep the pilot light on. Yeah. Basically, they have a couple of like industrial furnaces there that need occasional maintenance. So they have they have people keeping the furnaces burning, and it doubles as a prison because there's no way off the planet. Yeah, um, it's all dudes, like you said, double Y chromosomes. Um, in the theatrical version of the film, uh, the EEV, uh, the uh, emergency escape vehicle mm-hmm. um, from the Sulaco jettisons, uh, while while the spacecraft is still in orbit and uh all the sur- quote-unquote survivors <laughs> uh crash on the planet in the eev uh in your version i believe ripley washes up on a beach yeah she does yeah. she's uh, it's actually that's what i say maybe that's not what uh you saw uh because charles dance is just kind of walking through this yeah this the land. red desert shot yeah i was about to say i don't remember that's why <laughs> we should we should go back and just watch that beginning there's, part there's it, not a whole lot of outdoor shots in the theatrical <laughs> just watch that opening sequence again i know you want to the credit sequence <laughs> It uh, is good, and then the red desert shot because she comes up on 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 shore. That's why I'm like, maybe I'm like, maybe this movie's gonna be really good, and I just was a little harsher on it, or maybe maybe I'm really gonna enjoy it this time. The first half, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Once the warden dies, you're right. It's just oh, this yeah, is not yeah, yeah. anymore. Um, but yeah, but the, the the dog. The, I was, yeah, there's a there's a face hugger that we see during the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in every, yeah, we, yeah, probably in every version of the movie. Um, but the way the dog gets it is a. Uh, after all the survivors have been taken off of the EEV, uh, they just leave the vehicle out there because it's too big to haul by hand. And then one of the prisoners has a dog who goes up to the EV by itself and it's barking at something. And we just get like one shot of like a face hugger. Like, That's but, all you need. Yeah, it's just squirming. It doesn't pounce or anything. It's just it's there and it's moving so we know it's alive. Uh, and then the next time we see the dog, it's like in in this little cubby it's basically like where the janitor guy from a die hard 2 is hanging out (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's basically in the basement of the prison um just like vietnam he says hiroshima (laughs) hiroshima (laughs) just like hiroshima yeah i remember that uh i was but yeah the dog uh next time we see it it has like this hideous claw mark on its mm-hmm. face and it's like whimpering mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. see your reaction as i'm telling it to you is probably why it's not which in is the- smart we built a fucking film franchise off of a dead dog john wick uh i think it he's still killing people he's still killing and, pe- and people killing are people. still applauding him for doing it <laughs> people are getting get the fuck out of his way all right he's going to kill you I want to rewatch that fucking knife store that that sequence again. You got it, of course you do. <laughs> I just want to see that sequence again. It's so good, but it, I think it's wiser to go with the dog because you get the feelies. You get like the. Oh. I think that's why I like it better. I, that and we get the scene where it has the claw marks on it. It's it's pretty raggedy. Like the yeah. person who did the makeup on that dog, fantastic. Like that's a good dog, good boy. You sat still for many hours. Um. But, like, the prisoner, we see him, like, he cares about the dog, and he's, like, looking at it, like, who the fuck would do this to a dog? Like, my dog. Uh, And then it is pretty savage when when the alien bursts out of it. It's 
pretty brutal. Let's say, I like saw the the sound, like sound design. It makes crunching, it, yeah. it the crunching, but the dog vocal, oh, vocalization yeah. exactly. See, even the that's sa- good though. The, that that's, that's good. That's good. But it's it's uncomfortable. But yes, it's good. That's what you're trying good. to build here. It's an alien movie. Like well, you need to be uncomfortable. Well, and if you're gonna have like fucking gigantic orchestra music with goddamn Charles S. Dutton yeah. preaching at a funeral, cross cut with an alien birth, yes, it's okay to go over the top with yeah. with the emotional stuff and. Yeah, the vocalizations of the dog, like, whimpering and stuff. Same friend, uh, <laughs> Godzilla 1985, when Godzilla falls into the volcano. Yes, he falls into a volcano, by the way. Jesus. Uh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. How could you not see it coming? Well, there's, he's he's cold-blooded. He was just trying to get warm. He went too far. He's a big lizard. Big lizard. But, yeah, he makes a, he makes a whale that my friend hate. It's actually chilling. Is it really? Like, ooh. It's good. Cue it up after this. Okay, hear. I will. Um, I was gonna mention. I want to talk. I want to talk about um, the characters, like what we're yeah. doing. Like, so in the first movie, you know, blue collar. It's a blue collar space movie. We're going out, or we're coming back from mining. Uh, second movie, we bring Ripley and then a company man and a bunch of Marines. So there's a lot of continuity between the two movies, despite a massive passage of time. Yes. Um, this movie, I want to talk about helpless versus capable characters. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to put something together here so um one of the things that i think this the first two movies do is we have a balance between helpless and capable what i mean is is we have a strong character yafet kodo charles s dutton uh michael bean do we have this i mean you know these are these are men uh, examples in all these movies uh but i would say that uh sigourney weaver is that character as well she's a strong character a capable character uh but you also have helpless characters newt in the second one um, Harry Dean Stanton's kind of a helpless character. Uh, the the other lady, like when you see them die on screen, you're like, oh no! Like I didn't want to see they're, them die. They're, they're victims. Yeah, they're yeah. yeah, they're innocent people basically. Yeah. But when you see have a capable person die, it it carries you know a lot of weight to it. Like Charles Charles S. Dutton in this movie, pretty good death. Like it's, pretty good fucking, it's fucking death. It's I actually just got goosebumps thinking about it just now. You uh, know that that same music you accused of being kind of it works there. Oh yeah, it, it works fucking there. works there. <laughs> It's not a rape scene. It works. I mean, there. when he taking off his glasses. Vasquez, Vasquez, and the lieutenant dying. Like these are capable characters. Yeah. Um, this movie doesn't really like. We don't really have character development here. We have no. two capable, three capable characters that we really like. Charles. Charles Dance wasn't going to make it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he's not going to make it. Uh, you're too evil looking to make it to the end credits, buddy. Uh, but yeah, in this, we just don't really have that. I don't really give a shit about these characters because we're, we're bringing Ripley into a different environment, which I think was a good idea. We're bringing her into uh, an area where there's no guns. There are no guns on this on this planet. No. Uh, none. Uh, what does he say? I wrote it down. Uh like sticks and knives I think is what he says um, but it's legit just like we have gotten nothing here um, and she's also around a bunch of men who are violent criminals and who haven't seen a woman in years and I do like when she comes on the, like she comes into the, the room with everybody and, and it just stops and you can feel the tension no the, I like her scene with Charles S. Dutton where she's trying to make make friends and he won't even look at her she asserts herself too in this scene well, yeah, that's why he starts talking to her is because she sits down anyway. Yeah. Even though he gives, he basically sends all the signals you're not wanted here. He says, "I'm a murderer and rapist of women." 
That's how he says hi. Literally, that's <laughs> the first words he says to her. She's like, I wanted to thank you for your lovely words at the funeral. <laughs> like, she, ha- <laughs> she hasn't had a good day in 67 years? 60? I don't know how many years she was in cryosleep for this time. Uh, she was definitely, what was it, 67 years the first time? It's like I think it was like it was 57 f- be- between the first and the second film. And then this one... I don't know how many years passed, but probably not as much. We'll say six months. It's, it's, eh, I, like, I like six months. It's probably many. It's probably actually, a lot, but actually, I don't know. No, considering how long Newt and uh, and What's-His-Face were dead, um, they, he would have definitely looked much worse than that, I think. So oh, it's yeah. probably only been like a week, maybe, I'll say. Well, I mean, she was only on the planet for like a week, but it... I don't know how long they were drifting out there. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Sorry, um, but it's all, like, it's all relative to Ripley. But there are only three characters that I really care about in this movie. One of them dies in the first, well, in the in the David Fincher movie, <laughs> in the first part of the movie. Um, but I like the hostile environment that they set up here. It's a good concept, and I feel like that was an element that was in most of the scripts before we started shooting on this film. Uh, two of the more interesting scripts, one of which was written by, uh, is it William Gibson? Uh, it's the guy who did this book called, I think it was Neuromancer. A friend of mine lent it to me when I was working with them. It sounds like B movie. It's uh, Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. Um, which is starting to come back into vogue. Bring it uh, back. We have a game actually coming out called <laughs> Cyberpunk that's actually like one of the highest profile releases of, in a long time. But uh, I mean, that Alita movie for sure is is that aesthetic. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, he's a prolific sci-fi author, very like lauded for his world building and stuff and his, his visions of the future. And basically it was supposed to be like uh, space communists. Um and it would be like a bunch of space communists in a shopping mall planet. <laughs> it was supposed to be like a two-parter where the space communists use, like, they wrangle the aliens to, to fight a war. Oh, interesting. Um, obviously, that didn't get off the ground. But you can see some, some elements there where it's like stranger in a strange land kind of stuff. Um, but probably the craziest script out there was one that I told you about a long time ago where it's, it's like a, a space station made out of wood. And everyone in there is a monk. So they're like Luddites. So they reject technology. And then the alien and Ripley show up and they think the alien is the devil and they lock Ripley Uh, away because they're all men and they're also intensely religious. And by the way, you brought a devil with you and you have different genitalia than us. Yeah. Um, And you can see parts of that in the finished product where the, the religious elements of it and then the treatment of her being this other that we were not comfortable with. I was going to mention uh, writing a female character good, uh, writing a female character well again. Um, she's kind of um, she hits on Charles Dance. Absolutely, it's it's kind of I didn't I didn't pick up on she she comes like a millimeter shy of just grabbing his crotch. I mean, yeah, just I mean, saying, gimme. <laughs> I was I was thinking about like uh, it's just kind of I guess culturally in our country, there's like women don't make a first move it's not something that's not i was actually thinking of orange county i don't know if you've ever seen that movie no there's a funny scene where she said there's a lot of cuties at this party and the one girl goes lock me up because i am horny (laughs) (laughs) i remember being such a funny line because it's like girls don't talk like that and here we see she's making the first move on charles dance and i love how he reacts to it too he kind of has like a like a shy guy like a little movie like a it's been a while for me 
It's not proper. (laughs) He's a little fidgety. Like, he's a little nervous. It's it's adorable, really. Like, he's like, oh, okay. Mm. But yeah, she makes the first move. And I'm like, nice. Um, But yeah, the the characters I don't give a shit about. But uh, I wanted to ask you about um, uh, Bishop. Oh. How did you... I mean, compared to... (laughs) Compared to Alien, uh, the Bishop talk that we do in this one, the droid talk that we do, uh, I really like this because it's not uh, it's not Ian Holm like <laughs> like a head, Ian Holm head, dummy and then shoved up through a table. Yeah, yeah. it's this is a, a it is, is full animatronic. I think it's bitching. I think it's, it's really, excellent. I like it, it, was it awesome. holds up, and then some. The lip sync is incredible. Yeah, I I love the voice modulation. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have imitated it here and now really <laughs> it, it, it's it's awesome it's a good scene it sounds like uh what's his face in uh independence day when he gets the oh brent spiner yeah brent spiner <laughs> it's like dr a, oaken uh, the last 24 hours have been really exciting how the fuck did he make it into that second movie uh I, I, he's affable. I mean, it's Brent Spiner. Well, yeah, obviously Brent it's Brent Spiner. Spiner. He's, yeah. he's, in, he's very affable. Everybody yeah. loves Brent Spiner. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get sci-fi nerds to see your movie, put him in there. That's a good move. But he was dead. Dead. Very dead. dead. I'm yeah. sure Adam Baldwin accidentally shot him at least once. <laughs> at least <laughs> once. <laughs> Dude, they shoot the fuck out of that thing. You <laughs> did a fucking uh, collateral. Tom Cruise and collateral. I watched that again, that clip, just a couple of days ago. Oh, the Mozambique drill? Oh. Mm. I love his uh, reloading technique. It's like smooth. Oh, alternate ending. Um, Me and my friend like dreamed this up a long time ago. Well, it's not an alternate ending, but a funny re, a funny interpretation of the ending of Collateral. So my friend and I were watching it at like his house or something, and basically, you know, Jamie Foxx shoots him. Spoiler alert. (laughs) You haven't seen Collateral get off your. And then uh, Tom Cruise goes to do his reloading trick. And then, like, he drops the magazine, and he has that moment where he sits down. But, like, his facial acting, I was like, oh, man, he's really depressed. <laughs> he's like, I never I never mess up. He just, like, sits down. I was like, what What if he didn't get shot? He was just, like, so stunned that he just gave up the fight. Or he's just like, oh, no, no, it I, was. I just don't. I, I don't want to fight anymore. That was like a, uh, um, a Francis Ford Coppola with... Uh, um, Martin Sheen, where he says, no, 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 just let the camera roll. That was Tom Cruise just messing up, and he was just sitting down, like, oh, It's just no. seething. Yeah. Like, like, the temperature just goes right the fuck up in the room. It's like, how is he generating so much heat? It's like, it's the power of Xenu. <laughs> Turn off your phones. If it, it burns rings. hot within him. <laughs> Turn off your phones. If it goes off, it's going to No, 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 the, the phones, like, have to shatter. Uh. Like, all the lights start flickering. <laughs> it's like, Tom's angry. He's angry. <laughs> Get him a Diet Coke. Die Coke! <laughs> <laughs> like the train's like vibrating. <laughs> what do you want, Peck? Um, so yeah, the I have my Lars von Trier element of crime popped up in my notes. Uh, did you notice the bird on the warden's desk? That's, yeah, yeah, the sippy bird. The sippy bird. Sippy bird. Um, that's a big hit in Mad Men. Uh, they, they bring it in. They're like, I gotta see. How, I gotta figure out how this thing works. So I'm like, well, it's an alien. Um, so yeah the uh so there's not an actual xenomorph death until like 54 minutes in and those three jabronis are walking around no there's one before that 
uh, the fan. You don't that one. You don't. I'm saying that one. He causes it. He causes yeah, a death. He, he causes a death. He doesn't actually. Yeah. Eat the guy or man. He just him. scares him. Yeah. Well, he takes a chunk out of his face. Yeah. <laughs> um. That was that was a that scene felt like it belonged in a different movie. It felt very 50s B movie yeah. or like 80s B movie, like 80s homage to a 50s B movie kind of. It, it just felt like generic monster movie stuff where it's like, huh. I'm going to poke my head into this creepy-looking acid-burnt hole right after I found a shed skin for an alien life form. The man who plays Edward uh, Andrews, the warden, uh, he's he's passed away, but I love the casting. Uh, he was great. He was great. He's his, one of the best characters in the movie. He is. Uh, and I think it's just from his voice, because Sigourney Weaver's, you know, Sigourney Weaver, Charles Dance never really gets above this tone. Now Charles Dance always sounds so irritated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He does get loud. I okay. have to take a shit. It's been about two weeks. <laughs> if Charles Dance ever walks up to you and asks if you can help him with something, you're going to... People, other people are going to hear him yell, but no. Oh, good I, citizen. I've just shot a man. <laughs> and I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cue that up here before. Ugh, good but yeah, times. I love the I love the warden. Um, I feel like his audition must have been done in a room with a good echo. Yeah. Because he has an auditorium voice. He has big lungs. Like, his voice carries. He, he has the right... He has the right level of authority and just like, I don't know, he is such a company man. Yeah. It's like he is the warden. Like yeah. 24-7. Very much so. His pants never come off. <laughs> um, I do, they do ramp up the whaling industry a bit more. A lot. Um, a lot more. They're actually running the show. Like, Well, it's this is like, they have a more overt physical presence in the movie. Yeah. Like, at the very end anyway, because... In Aliens, we get the boardroom sequence at the beginning, and then Paul Reiser throughout the movie. Mm. Uh, in the first movie, it's all just it's all just like messages and the computer, like the mother computer. Um, but in this one, it's like we have a ticking clock where it's like, oh, the company guys are going to show up in a week, and by the way, their signage is everywhere in this facility. I do like because uh, I I didn't really piece together. Like I know what happens in this movie. I know that um, Ripley has the the face hugger in her. She's got the alien inside of her. Yeah. Um. But I I didn't piece it together for a while while watching it because um. What is it? Uh, Charles Dance is like I can tell what happened to her. She drowned. They do the autopsy. She drowned. She was worried that the face hugger was in the little girl, and she never pieces it together that it's her that it's in. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of surprised by that, that I didn't catch that for a while in this. Yeah, uh, if I remember right, I, I took note of a couple of time codes in the movie. And it's funny you mentioned, like, the first proper xenomorph deaths in this movie happened at about the 50-minute mark. That's about the time it takes for for Sigourney Weaver to start, like... Getting sick, yeah. Exhibiting symptoms of pregnancy or infection yeah. or whatever you want to call it. She starts, like, you know, like... <sighs> Yeah, like, like, just gassed. yeah, she's gassy. <laughs> we go back to, we, uh, we're actually doing like a traditional gestation period. That's what's interesting is that uh, we talked about this on episodes prior, but the gestation period of the, the xenomorph is always just kind of up in the air. Like it's it's the most plot convenient thing out there. <laughs> AVP, like, it's through the roof. Oh like yeah, it's immediate. Ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> ten minutes fully Flat. grown, ready yeah. ready to kill. Yeah. Uh, and this one. I mean, the, like I said, the clock's ticking. We are. It is explicitly stated a week. Yeah, 
so she's had she's been carrying this thing for at least seven days. Well, she ramps it up though. Uh, so they're they're supposed to the they're supposed to be there for a week, and she's like, uh, I think when she finds out she has one in her, she's like, uh, tell them that we have to kill the the xenomorph or whatever. Like, no, 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 we'll be there in two hours. Like, yeah. we're gonna be there immediately. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is this is like me trying to explain things away but it could be argued that i mean as we'll see in alien resurrection the chestburster that she has happens to be a queen maybe gestation period is a little longer because it's a fucking queen interesting but um how do they do they just try to find a good host does it have to be a woman does it have to have the anatomy of a woman the actual so when the the face hugger goes on yeah how does it find a queen why isn't there more than one queen does it do they just choose uh, i would imagine it's i don't actually know how that works in like insect societies but i would imagine it's it's kind of similar to the the whole jurassic park spiel where oh, it's, yeah. it's out of like evolutionary need you bred raptors or it's you know some west african frogs yeah. are, are known to spontaneously switch you know switch sexes um, I, I would not be surprised if it's that kind of case where it's like, hmm, there aren't any eggs. Maybe it's time to make a queen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has the most icon, one of the most iconic shots, like uh, iconic film shots, and definitely the poster for the whole franchise is the when Charles Dance dies and it comes up to her and sniffs. Oh her. yeah, it's a Charles Dance. Like, it's a good death. It's a, it's a good death. It, yeah. It's it's. Needs to be said, this movie, like I said, I, I do think it is the most violent mm-hmm. of the Alien movies. I mean, Resurrection gets points for, like, just gore. Yeah. Like, it... Yeah. A like couple a of moments yeah. in there, it's like, okay, you win. But on the whole, this one, I think the amount of bloodletting and, and the amount of detail put into it is pretty fucking high. And they... The violence is very classy in mm-hmm. that uh, we only get a few frames of it, mm-hmm. which is probably for the best. We don't it is. we don't it, like linger on it. It's just kind of like a flash, and it's like, oh, that was bad. Leave it to the imagination. I think that's very powerful in horror. If you can get get like a really good horror, mo- a good scary movie, horror movie, and leave more to the imagination. That's why the Blair Witch Project did so well, honestly. Because yeah. no, you don't I, see a Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you see a man peeing on a wall. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of head explosions in this movie. And, yeah, Charles Dance, he gets his head wrapped up in one of those lovely curtains. And uh, he gets his forehead punctured yeah. with, with the tongue. But, yeah, the shot that Kyle is alluding to here is, uh, yeah, it's classic shit. Where it's Sigourney Weaver posted up against the wall in tears. And then the alien's head, like, inches away from her face, like, snarling at her. That's iconic shot maybe for the like you said the entire franchise i think it's the franchise shot if you yeah think. may as well be um I, I meant to go back to the uh the bishop scene um yeah. i really like the, the the discussion that like the, the dialogue in this scene she's like what happened what caused it what caused it and he does like the uh fire on board yeah, like, he, well, he accesses the Sulacos like black box i guess yeah it's it's flight it, recorder or something yeah the flight recorder something like that the, the log it's the, it's the flight yeah. log and she's like um was there an alien on board yes and just like, flat just flat yeah. yeah i love the delivery yeah um, instead of ramping up the suspense it's just why would he do that he's a cyborg or he's an android <laughs> like, i i do like the uh like the, the dynamic between charles dance and scorny weaver and charles dance and andrews yeah um, the warden yeah she's kind of keeping it from him like what 
She's doing a good job of killing. Like, yeah, I need you to do an autopsy because I think there's cholera. And he's like, there's not been a case in cholera in fucking 50 Two, years. 200 years. Yeah. Uh, and she's just still like, he's trying to get it out of her, trying to get it out of her. He never finds out, by the way. He's like, I'd sooner believe that you had a magic theater ticket that could transport <laughs> you to different dimensions. <laughs> Eat the bowl of rice. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> On ja- Fury 161. Ja- 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 what's his name? Jack, uh, Jack Slater. <laughs> Jack Slater. Uh. In space. <laughs> on this very planet. Uh, you really. Do, you really need to watch Game of Thrones for him. I um, know. His death is great. But, um, yeah, I like the interplay between all those characters. It's just the movie kind of throws them out the window. Well, it, it throws out the window, but also it relies too much on it like yeah. we're fluffing you're, with these dynamics between characters we're robbing the audience of screen time with all the other people in this prison of which there are many i think that like uh, there are at least 30 people in this movie uh yeah it's 20 28 colonists yeah. that are left behind yeah uh, there so are a lot of people most of whom are written off during the fire scene i think the tension um another thing that kind of releases the tension is the first the first alien is on a spaceship small ship and then the second one is it was started on a ship, but now we're in a colony, but we're enclosed off, and it's. I'm sure it's a much bigger area, but it feels smaller. Yeah. But in this movie, there's space. I mean, like there's just it's there's just too open. much. In fact, there's too much space. And uh, the first deaths we have those three guys, the one guy with the comically deep voice, yeah, the gigantic black guy with yeah. the yeah. big guy, no, no compartment. It's like Jesus. So you got marbles me. in your throat, Jesus! But um, that scene always puzzled me to this day because they're lost. Yeah, they're lost. Yeah, it's <laughs> a huge facility. Like, they, they don't know where they are. <laughs> it, it takes away from the. It kind of takes away from the suspense a little bit because it's not. It could be around any corner, but like this place is huge. You've got places to run. In the yeah. first movie, there's nowhere to run, dude. You are on the ship. Well, yeah, and that that worked very well with that situation yeah. because we have a single creature much like we do here um and it felt very claustrophobic yeah and we never see the thing move terribly fast um yeah. but we have these tight quarters that we're working with so it's like if i do run into this thing probably not going to be able to run away which you know makes it so every time it's not on screen it has your brain running thinking oh shit oh shit it's yeah. around that corner whereas this one we get wide open spaces and I, I mentioned this to you uh, off the air, where like the the strategy they they assume in dealing with this thing, like it makes sense from a from a screenplay standpoint, yeah. like from a writing standpoint, it's, it's clever, exciting stuff. But personally, I think it would have been more interesting to do like an the edge kind of thing, like yeah, where where it's like Lure him. Or where it's like man versus beast. And yeah. I mean, we have people wielding torches in this movie. Yeah. And even the lighting, it feels like very primitive. Like there's a lot of browns and, and be- browns and beige. Uh, it feels like it, it could have been a good opportunity to say, call back to that line where it's like, oh yeah, we got like butter knives and stuff. It's yeah. like, well, you got duct tape and butter knives and a, and a mop. Like let's, let's put a knife on the end of a mop and fucking fight the alien <laughs> like like it's a bear or something so do you think that uh, david fincher's uh what he wanted to do was up to the first third act of the movie where they actually trap it they trap it into this container that it cannot get out of and then the fucking crazy dude they're like no no no, that's not good enough we gotta let the crazy dude let it out and like the movie was done like <laughs> it was over with like, <laughs> 
We we trapped him. That was the difficult part. But then if they would have just had we need to kill it and like trying to find a way to kill it with no weapons or anything like that, or we have to let it out and we have to kill it some way would have been fine. But instead of having a crazy dude let it out and like reset, we got to do the movie all. We have to do the ending all over again. See, that's actually funny. Um, that's only in the special edition. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what happens in the theatrical? Um, there's no trapping it. There's no trapping it. Oh. Um, there is no trapping of it in the theatrical edition. Theatrical edition, the first plan. Um, by the way, uh, Charles Dance buys it. The thing does presumably does not kill Ripley because it smells the alien inside her, uh, which makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, it's like, oh, that's a queen. It's like, that's going to be my boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, boss. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then like two seconds later, it kills the warden. Another good death. Yanks him up through the ceiling while he's delivering a speech. Very proper death for that guy. Um, and then at that point, it's like, okay, we're about halfway through the movie. All of our character development has gone to the two characters who just exited the film. Yeah. Which leaves us with a... a screaming like, Charles S. Dutton. No, it just leaves <laughs> us with a sea of anonymous faces and a screaming Charles S. Yeah. S. Dutton. <laughs> well, this is where... Let's do some Monday morning quarterback here. Uh, ramp up those unclassy deaths. Like, start killing dudes like on screen. Like... Well, what we get instead is, I believe it's like a, it feels like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, where it's like Ripley standing among a sea of, like, ashen faces, yeah. and she's like, we're gonna fight, and yeah. we're gonna win! <laughs> and, like, instantly everyone defers to her, because yeah. they, I mean... They have no other choice. She's been talking about this thing the whole time, so they assume that she knows something that they don't. Pro tip, you know, when she fought these things, she had an airlock. Yeah. A power loader and or a gun as you um, mentioned, now she has none of those things say, airlock <laughs> is how we defeated it two times now. yeah so she doesn't she doesn't know any more than you do when it if you know how to fight you know as much as she does yeah. <laughs> honestly uh, but yeah uh, this may have been a her flexing her producer credit or a, a flub in the script but yeah everybody just kind of assume like looks to her for all the answers and the first plan we come up with, and I can't remember if this... I'm guessing this is in the special edition. Uh, basically, we start setting, like, fire traps. Yeah, so, yeah, it's the goo. Yeah, yeah, we're, like, dumping kerosene everywhere, and, like, Pete Postlethwaite helps out. This is where he gets his two lines in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we're... we're Develop the, him. I don't want him to die. Let him... I love Pete Postlethwaite. Exactly. <laughs> James the Giant Peach. He's charming. Do you remember him in the town? Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! I'll clip your nuts like your oh, clip he was your dad's. fierce. Fuck, that was a good He's scene. Ferocious. That was his last movie. I think he died shortly after it's that. It's small, but it's fierce. Oh, it's small, <laughs> but it's fierce. That was a, <laughs> such, I love that scene. That's so good. But, but anyway, I'm sorry. But yeah, um, we're. I remember a, a line here and there from from Sigourney Weaver where she basically says like, like. We don't have any weapons or whatever, but we have fire, right? And, right. <laughs> I believe that most, like, cavemen even had fire. Yeah, well, you don't have to be so caustic about it. <laughs> <laughs> so 80, but, 85 is kind of funny in there, this. That, some, is, that is a great nickname, by the way. There's some clever, uh, like, a few things. I like where he's like, uh, God damn it, where's this thing? He's like, no cursing. He's like, fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shit, no cursing. He's like, shit's not a curse word. Like, he's just getting angry. Like, there, there's some there's some little, little back. No, there, there are some clever moments here and there. Ch- anything Charles Dance is saying, is, it's clever. Like, whatever he's starting to say, it's not what you're expecting him to finish with. Like, oh, nice. Very, very good writing. Uh, good dialogue for his oh, character. Yeah. But yeah, uh, basically what happens here is uh, there's an accident and it causes a gigantic fire. 
um, which allows us to whittle the cast down from about like 25 to about like eight nine um it's it's a good way to eliminate like a huge chunk of the cast because we didn't bother to write anyone um really funny factoid that i i might be wrong but i seem to remember it being in like one of the guinness book of world records like bathroom readers that Mm -hmm. we had at my house when i was little um uh apparently somebody somebody in this movie one of the stunt people did like the longest full body burn in film you're right in film history up to that point it's probably been surpassed and then some but what's funny is in the finished film i don't I don't think I see any. I don't think I see a single frame of that. There is in the special edition. So oh, okay. Their f- second plan uh, gets fudged because uh, <laughs> one of the dude, uh, one of the dude drops the like uh, thing to ignite it, and then it's actually really good. So he's like crawling up this tunnel. And he drops. That's, that's in the theatrical too. And then you see that like the xenomorph come above, and then you that really <laughs> odd slow motion where it comes down and ignites. That's the guy, one of the guys that gets set on fire. Gets set on fire. Um, there's like, I think, uh, almost a second of the frame. It yeah, is... but it, apparently on the set, the guy was on fire for quite a while. Jesus. Um, but it didn't make it into any version of the film. That's very interesting. But um, yeah, uh, if I remember right, and, and this is me going purely by memory, it's been a long time, but uh, in the special edition, when they trap it, the guy who frees it is the one who is rambling about the dragon. Right? Yes, the yeah. crazy guy. See, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that, that does make sense, although... But we didn't need to do that. I mean, that's that's not what you want to hap- have happen to the alien halfway into the movie. You, it, do, you don't want to have it be, like, outsmarted that early in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, like, that kind of takes away some of its menace. There's there's ways to get around it, like, are we, like, they're opening it up and it's already gone. Like, oh, fuck, it already got out or something like that. But see, I mean, not to dwell on it too much, but, like, the... Well, I think we're dwelling on more than they're doing, so... Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that line from Ripley about the fire that that's where my brain keeps coming back to is like wouldn't it be kind of cool if we had like a primitive man versus alien yeah we've never seen that on film like I'm just picturing guys like banging pots yeah. to, to like corral distract it yeah. yeah well not even not even distract it just like push it back because it's loud noises yeah it's like any animal is going to react badly to fire that. and loud noises that's interesting. yeah fire and loud noises and then like take your best shot with a spear because eventually it's going to make a move on someone yeah hope it's not you but just imagine like just imagine a tiger superimposed onto the alien yeah and it's just a bunch it's like 10 guys hunting it like yeah. actually have to go like hunting. literally hunting the alien because that would, that's the only option that would have been more interesting yeah i think it would have been really interesting yeah but we've yet to see that on film no um but instead yeah we get three apparently in the special edition three elaborate plans yeah um almost none of none which of them, work almost none of them work the, <laughs> the ultimate plan is they're like all right we're gonna get it to this uh this they're gonna basically dump lead onto it which is a yeah. good idea that's solid. Yeah, getting it to the lead is kind of a problem yeah everything, everything goes you know uh it goes to shit i mean so, you can't exactly have a lead squirt gun like <laughs> I, I think what happens is uh he dropped it he dropped and it, it, everything caught on fire so it just kicked everything into gear like we're going now so uh it ends up being charles s dutton that gets him in and this is actually like the the, the tail did you did you remember this this scene with the tail where uh, Sigourney Weaver grabs it. That ha- oh yeah, that happens a couple of times in the movie. They do this really interesting thing that it's not. 
I wouldn't call it horrifying, but it's definitely unnerving. We're basically, there's a couple of sequences where the alien is wrestling with somebody. Where it's like in the process of killing them. It's taking its fucking time. It's not doing like the lion thing and going straight for the jugular. It's like wrestling with people. Yeah. Um, And we get this really oblong angle where it's it's intensely in the foreground and out of focus and you just see limbs thrashing around and you see like the tail with yeah and you see it like two or three times in this way and the last time we see that is charles s dutton walks in on it drops the axe probably should have kept that yeah yeah, he should have kept (laughs) drops the axe and he's just like looking and it's it's got a guy on the ceiling yeah it's it's wrestling it's wrestling on the ceiling (laughs) it's doing some freddy krueger shit with this guy and charles s dutton i mean tank man yeah he is a man He's tank big yeah yeah um he actually frees the guy and like pulls him away just long enough for the guy to die away from the alien but mm. um yeah that happens a couple times in the movie it's a really interesting choice um the sequence that you were talking about though where ripley's like we gotta get you to the lead yeah. <laughs> she's like <laughs> grabbing it she's like yelling at it and like swatting at it and the thing is conflicted yeah. <laughs> like you can tell it's like it's like roughhousing with a dog or something where it's like it it knows it's not supposed to go too hard but it it, it really does want to play with you yeah <laughs> and, oh but oh before we get to the climactic lead pouring sequence i did want to ask you about the uh the x-ray scene so that's a that's oh. a pretty good scene and it calls back to prometheus a little bit well, which, prometheus which calls would, back yeah uh, yeah um yeah it's kind of i forgot that this was in here uh when i was watching it um it's right you, after the fire yeah, she's starting to feel funny, and she's like, something's wrong with me, dude. So she takes 80, 85? Yeah. Uh, she ta- uh, there's a character, he's like an assistant to the warden. Um, that's his IQ. Yeah. Um, Pete Postlethwaite tells us that. He says that um, when he first got there, they they like snooped his uh, his personnel file. His IQ is 85. Yeah, so they call him that to piss him off. I do like, just, <laughs> it's I like, pretty fucking good. I do like how nonchalant they are about it. Well, it's because the warden's gone, yeah. and they have no respect for him. None. 85. He's like, stop calling me that. <laughs> and he's so sheepish about it. Like, he knows that they're not going to stop. Um, she takes 85 with her. She's like, something's wrong with me. He's like, you've got... He's like, there's something in you. And he's like, I think it's one of those things. And she's like, oh, fuck. But it's that body scan thing that <clears throat> we need to get one. I think they I think they might have one of those now. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like a DEXA scan or an X-ray or something, but it's like it's like a live feed that you can manipulate and rotate in real time um yeah she goes back to the eev crash um the the vehicle that she came to the planet in yeah and it's still functional i guess to the point that they can use that because also another thing about the planet is that nothing works nothing works like she even asks like about the security cameras and stuff she's like i see cameras everywhere and he's like "Eh, it doesn't work they don't work (laughs) yeah so they have no weapons and they have no technology for the most part again a holdover from the old monk script with the luddites and stuff but um yeah she she does the scan and curious choice of character that 85 would be the one in there (laughs) yeah um... feels like Charles Dance would have been the more appropriate choice, but he's been dead for like a half an hour by then. Well, I think 85 is the one that... Uh, does he let the Waylon know that she has one inside of her? I think so. I think that's what it is, but he does... He's he's not... The actor is not giving me a Weasley enough character, or a... He, he's actually conflicted, because he has his own little redemption later. Yeah. Um, they try to do something with him, and he's mostly likable, but... Yeah. but it's just weird seeing his goofy ass in there with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, his goofy ass telling her the the worst of, wor- like, bad news. They need 
someone that could communicate with Wayland, the Wayland Corporation, and no, he's I, the only one. Yeah, you're you're right. Like from a from a screenwriting standpoint, it makes sense. You know, from a purely utilitarian standpoint, yes, it had to be him. But it's just weird. Um, and the Charles Dance business, like I know we keep coming back to it, but it's like it. You can tell that they wanted to do something there, where mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, you cast Charles Dance. Yeah, he's he's played the fucking Phantom of the Opera at one point. He he's he is a red herring to some extent. You do suspect him of something because his demeanor seems untrustworthy. He might be the most just naturally villainous looking person, like just actor. Like there's a the guy from. Um, I don't know if you ever saw a Knight's Tale. He's also in... Uh, Rufus Sewell. Yes, Rufus yeah. Sewell. Dark City. Dark City, I should have said Dark City. Um, actually, less so, because in Dark City, he's not villainous at all. Like, he doesn't even have the look. Yeah, he's the, he's the hero. But Charles Dance cannot carry himself in any other way. I've seen several of his movies. Dude, if you were at a party and Charles Dance, like, locked eyes with you for a fraction of a second from across the room, Uh-oh. you'd be like, honey, we're getting the car. We gotta go. We're, we're, we gotta go. <laughs> like, that guy's got plans. The Joker is about to come in here, <laughs> and that guy let him in. It's just ding, elevator. It's like, nope, we're not We're not seeing who's coming out of the elevator. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think that... There, there must have been something. There more. must have been something there because all the business with her and him, like hiding things from each other, like it seems like the idea was we're planting the seeds where it's like, can we trust him? Can we not? And then he's dead. He, like at the end, he like imagine if he did have turned. a heel turn. Exactly, at the end. he could have absolutely had a heel turn at like, the end. Like that would have been oof. He could have like because she, they have good rapport. Like they do have chemistry. They do very much. And he she could have been like, yeah, they want to take this thing because of how much it's like she could have explained to him like, listen, the Wayland Corporation want this because of how like valuable it is and he could have been like, I see. Like I could get back into good graces. Like I can, you know, be financially well, and off. And even even what we do get in the finished film, like his like all the morphine I can afford. <laughs> fuck. I mean, his last scene before he dies is him telling his story, like yeah. spilling his guts about how he was a shitty doctor. Yeah. And he's here by choice. Like he, I think he already served his prison term. He's just kind of hanging out because he feels like an outcast from society. Imagine, like, yeah, it's like, hmm, this could be my chance to get back in good with the higher ups or something. Man, we've got to try to get like a GoFundMe page for David <laughs> Fincher. Like, dude. Can we just get you to do a commentary? Like, just do the commentary so we can hear what you have to say about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, that that really hurts, actually. Because everyone else, even Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who could not speak English... Did a un- commentary? Until <laughs> until several years after the film came like came to Blu-ray. <laughs> like, when the film was made, he had interpreters on the set. <laughs> he had to learn English to do a commentary. Well, I think... <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna speculate that David Fincher would have done something more with Charles Dance. I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. The same, the same. But yeah, the uh, the grand reveal of the alien in her chest. It's kind of funny how dense she is, actually. I, how did she not piece this together? Yeah, because even when she's in the scanner, she's actually directing him to to use the to manipulate the machine, but she's telling him to look for fractures. So yes. she thinks she has a broken rib or something. She might be in denial, but since she's not communicated what 
what's there, she can't really tell anybody. Like, no, 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 it's not that. I know it's not that. So she's everything's happening internally. So she might have just been in denial the whole time. But Could we be. don't really get that from her character because of her just her body language. She's just really like, I'm really coming down with something here. I think I broke a rib. See, I think that's actually like the biggest weakness of this movie in a lot of ways. Is um, I mean, there's a lot of disparate elements that a lot of plot cul-de-sacs that feel like they go nowhere a lot mm-hmm. of characters that get tossed out the window like way too early um it's just the overall tone is very dreary in in that unpleasant but not entertaining way because like seven's a dreary film i was about to say he can absolutely do a very dreary film um i would say the complete opposite of zodiac zodiac is a i'm gonna say I think it's a fun movie, but it's it about is. a serial killer. Zodiac, to me, is like a representation of, of why this whole serial killer like phenomenon... We're, we're in the middle of a thing right yeah, now. Where people are obsessed with we're serial We're working killers. through some shit right now. I, I don't know what... I, I actually could do an entire podcast just ruminating on, on, on why, <laughs> why this is what it is now. Yeah. Um, but to me, the, the editing and the scripting of Zodiac it perfectly encapsulates why why those stories grab people mm-hmm. it's because the way that that movie is presented to you 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 are jake gyllenhaal yeah you're just like i i need to keep digging because i keep finding things it, it's like conspiracy theory it's like a conspiracy theory but there's not, answers but, yeah but it's not called a conspiracy theory so it's socially acceptable to be interested yeah. <laughs> But the, the editing and the scripting of that movie is masterful in, in such a way that it feels like you're solving a puzzle. And yeah. it, it's very addictive. Like, you, you get really into it. But he can take uh, Seven, which is just dread, I would say. It's just, it's heavy. And it's dark, and it stays that way the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And there's no fun parts in that movie. Zodiac, I mean, I was actually just thinking, uh, a girl I work with, she was talking about how she had a fishbowl. For the first time, and I'm thinking back to uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. And he's like, "What are you drinking?" He's like, "It's called a tropical breeze or something like that. It's delicious." And Robert Downey Jr.'s like, you know, chain smoking, drinking straight whiskey. He takes a sip and he just looks at him. And the next shot is there's like five or six of these empty glasses. <laughs> That's a funny shot. Like it's just a nice little little funny thing. Um, well, and but, characters. Yeah, Seven has very good characters. Yeah, like uh, most of them. C- come and go but the two that we're stuck with for the most part are very interesting and likable for the most part well, I think all of his everything that I've mentioned I'm like there's all kind. I'm not a huge fan of the game um, it's yeah, kind of yeah, a one and done I, yeah that's for me I've, I've seen it once and that's about it but um, Panic Room all the characters are great what's her uh, Twilight she's in that for crying out loud Kristen Stewart Jodie Foster's great Jared Leto is great Dwight Yoakam is fucking awesome in that he movie he had a moment in the 90s man like and yeah that was part of it <laughs> he was so good in that movie yeah. Uh, but yeah all of his movies have like really good character development and the, Gone Girl yeah. I haven't seen Gone Girl I've heard, I've heard wait um, wait is that Ben, ben Affleck yeah and Ben Affleck Ben Affleck um <laughs> I have seen that. I'm sorry. I uh, forgot. Rosamund Pike uh, kind of kind of like solidified her as an actual actress because <sighs> up until then I feel she was in Doom. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. She was in she Doom. She was in Doom. <laughs> she was in Doom. Um, but she also does things like Gone Girl and you know gets I think nominated for Golden Globes and shit. Like, um, and Tyler Perry's good in that. He's great in that. Oh, that's, it's a good movie. Gone Girl's yeah. solid. I like the lady who plays Ben Affleck's uh, sister. Yeah, she's great. Oh, she's yeah. like, I'm gonna take a Benadryl. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, she's. We, I liked her a lot. Do we see his dick in that movie? I thought some maybe some root. 
<laughs> maybe, maybe the root, but uh, I don't. I don't oh. recall. I know uh, Neil Patrick Harris gets a spectacular gets, death. It's fantastic. He gets got. He's good. In, he's good. In that. I like Neil Patrick Harris as a comedic actor, but he's good in that. I liked him. I mean, that's an example of uh, explicit violence. That it's Ooh. like we're not gonna go away. We're we're not gonna cut away. No, we're no, not. no. We're gonna we're gonna well, hang out in the room with well, that. Think about um, even like. Sorry, we're on a tangent here, but Zodiac. Back when he kills the folks on the uh, on the lake, like it's supposed to be heavy. At the same time, it's just it happens so quickly. I like, think I think the most effective aspect of that scene is the reality of it, because mm-hmm. the guy just casually just saunters up in broad fucking daylight. And yeah, he treats it like a chore. There's no thematic build up. He just yeah. literally just starts stabbing. And he's he's so apathetic about it yeah where it's not like a crime of passion it's just like shut up yeah it's, <laughs> it's really it's a strange scene yeah it's very strange and even the the way it's framed mm-hmm. um the camera's just kind of there yeah and you're just watching it happen and it makes it it makes it unnerving that might be my favorite david fincher movie honestly like i love seven it probably i think it is i think zodiac's fantastic um uh, but the we got on I, there's a reason why i brought up zodiac though is because you were mentioning like the tone of this movie yeah. it starts off with that kind of like a seven tone like this is going to be a dark ride maybe that's the problem is like you want to do a darker movie this like the last movie did gangbusters like it did awesome because it was a lot of fun because it's a, a kind of an action movie i think david fincher's like not my alien this is going to be a dark ride and they're like no not happening well his alien came first but um i think the problem has to do with ripley's place in the story mostly where it's she she isn't an action hero in the movie mm-hmm. um Again, this is a movie of two halves. Basically, as soon as the warden's out of the picture, I feel like the movie just nosedives pretty fucking hard. Um, basically, when we're trying to fight the alien, it, it just it becomes far less interesting, and she's just tired and beat up and unhappy have, throughout the, throughout the entire second half of the movie. Whereas in the second one, and even the first one to some degree, she has like that fight in her. Well, she has, like you said, like she has nothing in this movie to go off of. She has no tools. She has no flamethrower. She doesn't have the giant bot to, to yeah. fight. Yeah, she doesn't have anything. Well, she even attempts to commit suicide in this movie. Uh, oh, she Charles, asked, Charles Dance, she, yeah. She, no, Charles she, uh, Charles yeah, Dance, she sorry. asks Charles to kill her. Yeah. And he says no. That scene just... But, yeah. see, that makes it a... I don't know how you would fix it. I, mm. I'm not about to say that I have the answers, but... Like when you ask your audience to follow a character down that path where it's like she has no fight in her. She's just kind of going through the motions like it feels like it feels it feels like a later years Bruce Willis movie yeah, right. <laughs> where it's just like so she doesn't really care if she wins this fight. She's just tired. Like maybe it would be better if she just well, ended it here. At a certain point, she does know that she has a Xeno like she has one in her. So how does that affect your character like being like and that's another problem is it doesn't really change her her it doesn't change her like it doesn't change the fact that like it doesn't intensify the fire in her like actually that would have been kind of interesting or like if if you spun it in such a way where she is apathetic and then she learns she has the alien it's like now she gets now i can't let it win yeah like that would have been good like i can't like i don't care what I don't care about the rest of these people or what happens on this planet or whatever, but the company can't get the alien, and I can't let the alien beat me. Maybe that's just David Fincher's tone, too. If you think about Seven, it's just kind of like things... Uh, the 
like the reaction to seven was like this isn't like nothing happened there was no nothing was learned from this and it was just like things happened well Bad zodiac things. the entire movie is yeah that, like, it's just like this is an this is no closure god i hate this word postmodern yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's postmodern storytelling i i folks out there There's, listening i i pretty much om- have omitted the phrase postmodern from my vocabulary because I don't feel that I have that firm an understanding of what it actually means <laughs> um, to the point that I, I don't I don't like to use it it's, he does know just, how to end a movie though mm-hmm. I think seven of, was an amazing ending but like same with Zodiac's a good ending uh, Gone, Gone Girl. Girl's a really good Gone ending Gone Girl's a solid ending it's a hard thing to do though is to end the movie so yeah, the uh, the climax, quote unquote. Yeah, we already kind of touched on it. Uh, this is where we're trying. The, the plan here is alien. Ripley has an alien in her. She knows it at this point, and we're trying to corral the alien into like a pit where there's a a gigantic industrial piston. It's like a couple of stories tall. Looks like they actually built this sucker. It's kind of cool. And basically, we're trying to lure it into this pit, close it in with the piston, and then drop a bucket of lead on top of it. Hot lead. Hot lead. Um, and the way we're doing this is basically we have a man like manning the uh, the switch for the piston, which moves very slow. Uh, and we just have a bunch of guys like egging the alien on and allowing it to chase them. They all die. They all die. Uh, Every that sums one. up like 15 minutes of screen time <laughs> and it's really the, we were talking about it's confusing like they're just running down corridors like it's this way it kills them oh it's coming this way oh no i got it this way. And he just it literally just it's runs just a bunch through. of bald british men dying yeah dying every couple minutes um so meanwhile 85 has uh, gone to meet the whalen the whalen crew are there and then um annoying guy um i call him the defeatist uh the defeatist yeah, is sure. there um charles s dutton has lured the uh, xenomorph in there his death is great. Oh, I mean, we can skip over everything else, but just a little bit of detail there. Basically, we're in a situation where he's backed himself into a corner. The piston is coming in. Uh, the alien sees him, and he's got Ripley behind him, by the way. And uh, Charles S. Dutton sees the writing on the wall. He's, he's like, got Valhalla in his eyesight. Yeah, yeah. He, he knows it's coming. Um, basically, he says, Ripley, you climb up the thing. I'm going to... I'm gonna keep it busy down here because somebody still has to pour the lead. So we need it. We need it to stay in this hole, and obviously it moves pretty fucking fast. Yeah. Um, some of the monster cam footage during the chase sequences is. Uh yeah. It's I don't like it. I don't. Like but it from either. a technical standpoint, I think it was probably interesting to do on the set. It works, but for I think for me the problem is is like I was under the impression that these things sense they don't they don't have eyesight they sense see I've always assumed that I've always assumed that but we've gotten a lot of contradictions to that because they don't have eyeballs I mean that's always been the case <laughs> I mean the the until, new the newborn in resurrection I'm just saying, until we get to four um but uh, yeah this one is I think the first the first one where we get a, a perspective shot of Correct. it and it just sees in in fisheye lens basically yeah, yeah. that was it, popular in the 90s it's too. a it's a steady cam with a fisheye lens basically that was gonna be real popular uh, and world. then later on we revisit that in alien covenant and it just has shitty vision yeah it, it's just smudgy it's not video even game vision it's video game vision. It, it is um and funny enough in the video games the, <laughs> the aliens in the aliens versus predator games on the pc uh the aliens do have a different vision um, they have standard vision, but then they also have like sense vision, mm. where um, victims like like prey is highlighted. Um, 
but they do see, apparently. I don't know how. Uh, it's never ever explained or gone into detail. Maybe in the comics. Uh, comics I haven't written, uh, read, rather. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe someday. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Monster Vision stuff is kind of cool. But yeah, uh, this thing makes a beeline for Charles S. Dutton, and I love that shot when he takes off his glasses. Yeah. Because um, he's, he's got his knuckles ready. Yeah, ready to go. <laughs> like, well, there's like, anybody that's going to put... Like, you're going to get this work, dude. You're, you're, you're going to work for this. Dude, he is screaming until the lead is on him. Yeah. Like, he is. He does not die via alien. He dies via lead. You need to give him more stuff to do, honestly. I Which mean, I would have believed it if he, like, crawled out of the lead. Yeah, <laughs> its fucking neck. <laughs> And Ripley's just like, you're alive. His mouth is like, his. <laughs> he's got like acid, is burned off his lips because he's bitten through the xenomorph. <laughs> nah. He looks like Fire Marshal Bill. He's just be <laughs> quoting scripture or some shit. Ah, sister, do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes, yeah, uh, they end up doing it, and of course it doesn't fucking work. Yeah, this. <sighs> They do plant the seeds for this, like from a in terms of like visual storytelling. I did catch a shot uh, during the fire scene um, when they're putting out the fire. There's a a shot of a bucket uh, steaming and cracking. Mm-hmm. So it's like oh, gotcha. It's like ah, that's what happens when something really hot gets really cold real fast. Um, put a pin in that. Um, but I don't. Again, this feels like we got to give her something to do. Yeah, um, we. She can't just kill the thing. She's got to push the button. Again, it's hard because there's no no weapons. What we were talking about, they do such a good job of writing a strong female character in those first movies is because she has weapons. They have something for her to do. Here, there's nothing for her to really do or anybody to do because there's no way to get it. Ah, another... I don't know if this is a missed opportunity, but my brain cannot detach from this subject. Like, I'm obsessing over this to the point that's like, maybe I should start fucking writing. (laughs) But, like... Alien versus Ripley versus Alien in like melee combat, and she has an edge in the way like Hulk and Thor. Like, just to, uh, try to follow. Like that's, like, what, that's what I'm saying. Like you're talking about, like Hulk and Thor just like going at each other. Yeah, and okay. so pretend the lead thing didn't happen, or maybe it did. But like maybe its bottom half is like burnt and it's crippled. Okay, and she's like, it's not dead. And like she pulls a pipe and she's like, I'm gonna kill this fucking bitch. Like, you, and she has a really great line partway into this movie, like around this part where she says, like, You've been in my life so long, I can't remember anything else. That's yeah. a, that's a good It's line. a really good line. That's a good line. Good delivery, too. But, because you, you understand that, too. But, you know, you get a little bit of that Ahab in there. Yeah. It's like this, it's like it's injured or something. And it's like, it's ripe for the picking. She's like, motherfucker, you're going to die. Yeah. And like, not only are you going to die, you need to die in front of me. So I know that you're dead. And she's like, maybe the, maybe the defeatist guy's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stay yeah. away from it. Yeah. And imagine her fighting this thing, like face to face. And you can, you can like <laughs> all the, all the neck beards out there. Are like, how does, how does Ray use a lightsaber? She, she's never, she's from a desert planet. Why would she know how to use a lightsaber? It's like, okay, like we'll, we'll silence you by having the alien be seriously injured. If you can vote, so, Star Wars is not for you. Yeah. New, <laughs> if the news, if you're complaining about the new Star Wars and you can vote, stop it. It's not that's, for that's you. That's actually a good way of looking at it. It yeah. is for younger people at this point, but, but yeah, it, it, the aliens intensely crippled. And not only that, 
it's conflicted because it knows she has a queen in her. Interesting. So it's like it doesn't want to fight her, but it she, keeps, but it oh. it still has survival instincts. It's an animal. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, it, it, I just think it would be really intense. And then imagine the Wayland guys walking in on that, like. Like, she's the only one that can hunt it. Like, she's the only one that can go try to kill it. Like, it's actually trying she's to She's the only one her. that can get close to it <sighs> without it, like, squirreling away or, like, ducking into a vent or, like, ambushing them. She idea. can actually get face-to-face with it because it probably would want to protect her to some extent. Cause it's it like, has to. Because that's the queen. That's the future of its species. That's its drive. It, yeah. that, I mean, if we've learned anything about this virus or xenomorph... Its main thing is just breed, just get more. Yeah, I mean the queen flipped the fuck out when it's a facehugger is when all the eggs got burnt in the second one. That's brilliant. I'm glad you chipped away at that. And that, then that's really good. Yeah, imagine a scene where instead of the lead works, like can we t- email Ridley Scott? <laughs> the third movie. I mean, imagine the lead works aren't there, and imagine like the Wayland guys walking in on Ripley, like fighting an alien that is on the ground, and by the way, it has acid for blood. Maybe yeah. that's how she offs herself. Interesting. Like, she kills the alien, and then the acid... wipes it on her neck or something. Yeah, like, maybe she sees them coming, and she's like, I'm doing the thing that I've been spending a hundred years doing, Mm -hmm. just killing this monster. And then I see these guys, and I know what they want inside me. So it's like, I... There's no... There's no good end for me, so... Yeah. Like, just the acid or something. Like, she and the alien die together or something. Um, I do. I do want to say this last scene with uh, so Charles S. Dutton. Um, he holds the alien down there long enough for them to dump he, the he lead. survives in the director's cut. He he crawled out of the lead. Uh, <laughs> no. He crawled out of the lead and he hijacked the spaceship. Uh, <laughs> he went back home to Earth. <laughs> uh, Became a preacher. <laughs> he has a flock. Uh, yeah. He uh, the xenomorph jumps out. It starts giving chase, and then immediately the guy's like, "Pour the water on it." <laughs> Hit the sprinklers! Hit the sprinklers, and it explodes. Um, And it's all over with. But now um, the the Wayland people are coming up, and I I was getting a kick out of this. This was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, So Bishop shows up, but it's not Bishop. It's the guy who designed Bishop, and it's Lance Hendrickson, uh, who's doing a good job with with this character. It's interesting, because he's like... They want to save her, obviously. He's like, uh, don't worry, we're going to take it out of you. We want to we want to help you. We want you to survive. Yeah. We're going to take it out and destroy it. Don't you worry. And, like, meanwhile, he's having this conversation, and you can just feel everybody, like, creeping <laughs> towards her to, like, put a knapsack over her. Like, grab her! <laughs> that would have been so funny. Like, like with all their high-tech gear, just, like, a literal potato sack. got a fucking, yeah. <laughs> with the way that you touch the Idaho branch. Oh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, so yeah, he's just giving her the spiel. And I love t- his uh, eye contact. Exactly. Like, he just, does not blink. He's, he's doing a really good job here. Um, and 85 is like, <laughs> he's realizing what's happening. They, they told him, like, you're not, they're not taking you home. They do not give a fuck about you. All they want is me. And uh, he kind of pieces it together. He's like, oh, shit. Like, this is going to happen. So he has his moment of redemption. And he whacks Lance Henderson over the head. Did you catch his ear? It's 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 a considerable distance from his skull. Okay, so this is, I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because if so is he is he an android? Is I, he another android? I think it's all but confirmed that he is. Okay. Um, in the credits, his name is listed as Bishop Two. Okay. And his reaction to having his ear stricken from his head, yeah, is 
he kind of nonchalant. Well, I was thinking like, <laughs> but he has red blood. That's what I'm saying. He has red blood, and it looks realistic enough. Like if this happened to somebody, like I could see this actually happening. Like your skin is hanging off. He doesn't really. Your notice. skin is hanging off your bones, uh, <laughs> or it's just it's just off there. But it would be gushing blood at this point. So I I was a little confused, but I'm like either way, I'm captivated. Like what's wrong with him? Is he a droid? Is he a real person? Well, I mean that that's not to completely stop you in your tracks, but I mean there's been a lot of like rumor talk about the Blade Runner and Alien franchises being the same world. Um, actually, that's entirely feasible. Yeah. Like I could totally see that working just fine without without damaging either franchise. To be honest, because <laughs> synthetic humans are an integral part of the Alien franchise. Yeah, like they're a huge part. Even it's in, only intensified in recent years with with Prometheus and Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Resurrection makes mention of like a situation where androids were making other androids, so it's there's a lot going on there. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the the Lance Henriksen we got here is another android. Oh yeah, and they shoot the fuck out of eighty five. Oh yeah, he dies a tasty death. Yeah, it's pretty Squib great. City. <laughs> yeah, and then he falls a considerable distance. <laughs> and they shoot they shoot at Ripley if I'm not mistaken. No, uh, she is on like a. Uh, some sort of construction platform uh, with the defeatist, and they just shoot one round at his leg. Yeah. Um, funny, funny thing. Uh, they're all carrying pulse rifles, but that we only get like a couple of rounds discharged in this movie. But it's not the same sound effect as aliens, and it, uh, it bothers me. Bother you? It bothers me. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, defeatist takes one in the leg, and ooh, that's a tasty squib too. Mm-hmm. Like. It's pretty good. They get an exit wound in there. Like, they get both ends of that knee. It's pretty cool. Uh, but then, uh, massive difference here uh, between the theatrical and the special edition. Um, Ripley takes a nosedive. Yeah. Uh, Ripley jumps into the into the hot uh, molten metal or whatever. Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. Terminator 2. <laughs> Terminator 2. Well, yeah, she, she willingly sacrifices There's herself. a lot about this that feels like Terminator 2. The chains, the fire, the whole deal. It came out a year before. Hmm. Uh, imagine that. Interesting. Hmm. I mean, could have been a studio mandate or something. It might or like Fox was maybe like... Maybe James Cameron ghosted in there. Maybe he's the one that came back like, and fixed it. Hey. <laughs> need more chains next to that fire. <laughs> it's just like... Walking through the editing bay with just like a comic book, just like, oh, you got a new alien, huh? Just keeps walking by. He's just like, I made an alien movie once. It's pretty good. You know what I would have done with that, David? Is I would have done something a little bit different. I would have actually done something. He's like, get the fuck out of here, James. God. Throw a fucking tomato at him. Get rid of him. He's like, it's okay. Get rid of him. He's like, I know what I'm not wanting. I'm just going to go hang out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know him? <laughs> Maybe you've heard movie. of him. Maybe you've heard of him. We made a couple movies together. We're about to make another one. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's misogynist as all hell, but it's going to be great. <laughs> you always like blue people. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a major difference between the two versions. Uh, your version, she falls. She jumps. Yeah, she, she jumps. Yeah. She falls. Yeah. My version, she falls and the alien comes out of her chest and she grabs it in the air. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that one. I mean, it's the version most people have seen. Yeah. Alien 3 does not strike me as a movie that many people revisit. (laughs) No. Uh, I've seen it like three times, which is probably more than most people in the planet. I've seen it maybe four times. Yeah. yeah, uh, Theatrical version, they make it more dramatic. Uh, 
alien, the alien actually does burst from her chest in mid-fall. She captures it with her hands and clasps it to her chest, and then they fall. Uh, gigantic music cue. It's very operatic. Yeah, very um, operatic. Which, which do you prefer, though? Um... I think I like uh, I think I like the uh, the special special edition um, without the chestburster coming out. I kind of like her just she knows that whether it comes out or not that they're gonna do it for evil and like the rea- like the reality's there if it's popping out of her chest and she can she can do it. But I think there's more to there's more to contemplate. There's a little bit it's a little heavier if it's not in her yet and she just goes ahead and does it. See, I can't remember the special edition well enough. <clears throat> uh, so I don't know maybe they did this, but uh, the theatrical version uh, it's very hurried. Uh, the the edit um, when she closes the gate in front of Bishop, she goes out on the platform and she falls. It all just goes like bam bam bam. Yeah. Just done. Um, I think I think the theatrical version works just fine. I don't think it's cheesy or anything, but with the special edition without the chestburster, um, if you had, if you stretched it a bit, like mm-hmm. if you gave her an acting moment where you just see her like either like give a look of relief or like resignation, just some sort of emotional reaction to what's about to happen. I don't even think we get a close up before she falls in the theatrical version. Have you ever had you ever seen that meme? It's really funny where it's a it's a blonde lady, she kinda looks a little like Kate Blanchett and it's always like doing like she's doing like math in her head and it just it's all like Oh, Winona Ryder. Is it Winona No, it's not Winona Ryder, but I'll I'll, I'll pull up the meme but it's just like Someone tells you something and you're doing the math like, well, that just doesn't add up. <laughs> so when you're, like, the end of this movie, she jumps into the fire and then you see alien resurrection. You see a fourth one and you're like, how do you unfire a human? <laughs> how does she come back for that fourth one? Huh. Hmm. That's, Very interesting. That's what got me to watch the fourth one. I'm like, I haven't How are they going to do that? So they're going to Jurassic Park it. That's how. <laughs> interesting. So like, anyway. Well, I mean... I know in Resurrection they did want to have a scene where a mosquito bites her. Interesting. And then bursts into flames. Not Stan Ron Perlman in that movie. He's so annoying. Oh, but he he does the perfect monkey impression. He's so annoying. He is a monkey man. <laughs> Even his name, Johnner. What the hell kind of name is that? Johnner? French director. Yeah. French director, <laughs> Joss Whedon wrote it. Oh, I forgot about Joss Whedon. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. That's a whole other episode. But yeah, I, I mean, I think if you had a like a nice, good close-up of her... Just doing some acting shit and then following, that's all you need. Um, I don't think it's badly executed in either version, but definitely need to have that. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> you could George Lucas the shit out of it and have her looking out by Bishop, and then there's a force ghost of Hicks. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they did the stupidest fucking shit ever um, in this game called Aliens Colonial Marines. Uh, my my brother sat me down and forced me to play part of this game because it's so bad uh he bought it at like a bargain bin for like five bucks or something Mm -hmm. um they retcon uh like fox approved the storyline of this game and they actually like inserted plot elements into the game explaining how the Sulaco um ejected everyone Mm -hmm. like how we got to alien 3 um and then (laughs) they retconned it even further and had it where hicks survives and he is present when Alien when Ripley jumps into the fire. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and he says no. <laughs> it's so bad. Wow. And they also got Michael Bean to do the voice, unfortunately. Well, he probably he, he, he's probably got house payments or something. <laughs> he's got, everybody's got bills, dude. Yeah. Everybody got to eat. Yeah. 
But yeah, um, uh, but yeah, uh, they close down the facility and they take the defeatist away, uh, never to be seen again. This fun- I liked his his exit scene was kind of funny. Yeah, I yeah. like how he's like, I got out. <laughs> he's like, fuck you, like, just, uh, like just him leaving, like you little shit. Yeah, Un- up until the end, you little scamp. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think the closing shot of the movie, at least in the theatrical version, is uh, the EEV. The camera just kind of like cranes in there, and we yeah. hear. A- a recording from I believe Aliens or or maybe the end of Alien where uh, Ripley's doing her flight recorder spiel about the disaster yeah. that happened on the Nostromo. Yeah. And she says, I'm signing off. Credits. Same thing, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, definitely not very good. Uh, there's definitely uh, lots of things that were um, worth revisiting. Like just the set. Visually, it's great. Um, yeah. First half of the movie's good. Um, second half's not good. I think if David Fincher, if like just not, if they had just not fucked with him and not worried about maybe the box office, like listen, this movie's got to make money. Like no, 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 just let me work. Just let me work. Fine, I'm gonna make a movie about serial killer. I want to make seven. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show all of you. I'll show all of you. <laughs> and he did, like uh, over and over and over again, because he can't seem to get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I could definitely see there's there's David Fincher moments in here, and then I think the second half is just not his movie. I, that's what I think. Yeah, I I feel it's kind of interesting because it does feel that way. Like it, it does feel that like once the alien takes center stage, like either he wasn't involved or he lost interest or something. But like the build up to it is actually pretty well done. As far as like watchability, where would you would you rank this below or above Covenant? I know you hate Covenant, but I hate Covenant, but I also own a 4K of it, and I did watch, I did listen to the commentary for it. Mm-hmm. So Covenant is not without value. None of the Alien movies are that, without value. That's um, true. I, I think that's actually kind of cool that there's a franchise out there that every movie in it has some sort of redeeming value to it. Not Predator. Uh, Predator has some garbage in there. <laughs> um, it has some movies that's like, I don't know if I want to come back to that. Whereas this one, it's like, I could probably watch any Alien movie again and get something out of it. And I think in terms of rewatchability... If this had a commentary, it would be no question, this one. Like, I would absolutely... Yeah, agree. yeah, actually. I think that would make a world of difference. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, the, the, the Blu-ray of it does have behind-the-scenes stuff. It does have a making of... Uh, I believe produced without Fincher's involvement, unfortunately, but it it's something. Covenant. I feel like Covenant has baggage in the form of Prometheus and Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. where it's it's frustrating because it feels like a Marvel movie but an Alien movie, where it's like there's there's hanging threads that that there's baggage from the previous movie Prometheus, and then there's baggage in the form of what's to come. Like obviously we're trying to set up for a sequel or something, whereas Alien Three is very self-contained for the most part and it I think I would sooner rewatch Covenant mm. but at the same time there's so many things that annoy me about it. like yeah, there's there's a lot of annoying bits to it and it does bother me that it does feel like it's it's trying to do too much whereas Alien 3 it's like one it's a qu- singular product one more question do you think Prometheus would have been a better movie had uh, Ridley Scott done it in the 80s if he had gone back after Alien or even Aliens and done Prometheus? Hmm. Uh, maybe, yeah. I think, I, been, I, I think it would have been. A little more interesting. I think he probably would have been more ballsy. Mm-hmm. Like, would have been more aggressive 
and and more interested in more interested in telling the story he he wants to tell or the the, the script is trying to tell as opposed to making a bankable film yeah because uh, that's it i think that's prometheus's biggest weakness is that it's it's trying it's a to be, movie first and foremost yeah it's a, it's movie. Not a film it's a movie yeah that, it's a movie um the cast is stacked in such a way that's like hey it's something for everyone yeah even though <laughs> even though literally no one does anything in the movie <laughs> like, i mean idris elba idris elba sits in a cockpit and, and then bangs charlie staring at one point he's not happy about it and i'm <laughs> very curious why that is he's like, all right fine he just does not want to talk about it all right. like, and and if i if i ever got idris elba like in an interview situation or just like a dinner party or something he's like so idris like how come you like how come you were that way like after they were like hey so how was charlie's he's like i don't want to talk about it <laughs> like, like what prompted you to do that in your acting as the character like wouldn't you be excited like you knock over your accordion trying to jump up <laughs> 10 minutes all right it's game time dude Woo. Push all right push-ups push-ups what are you talking about push-ups fluff Just, fluff a little bit you know yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no deep squats, just like shallow. You don't want to do that, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I think that's all I had to say about that. Yeah, I think we, uh, we had a very solid conversation there for a movie that, honestly, like what's on the screen, like what we, what we got as the finished product, I don't think is. Uh, it's underwhelming to say. The it's least. underwhelming, but obviously there's a lot to be said about it, yeah. and it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating movie. It's not the, it's not the best, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps up Alien Three. Uh, I guess tune in next week for Alien Resurrection. Correct, I believe so. I don't know if we're going to get to Prometheus this month. Maybe, don't know. We shall see. Um, but that being said, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah.